I am your humble host, Lev Polyakov, Daniel Kirchhoff says, come on! Okay, well, we're coming, and uh, you better get ready, because this is going to be one for the ages. I can feel it. The person that we have with us today, Miles Arthur, a.k.a. Lord Miles, a.k.a. Levesconde Routledge. So, a lot of uh, a lot of titleage there, and I think it's appropriate. It's like when parents name their kids uh, Jeeves. That's uh, definitely going to be a butler when they grow up. So I think you empower yourself by choosing the proper name to dictate where you go in life. But uh, anyway, we got uh, my main man Giovanni Panicchietti in the house, and uh, we're going to get started. So, uh, Lord Miles, for those who don't know, you were in Afghanistan. You were there in the last day of Kabul. I'm going to stop speaking. Uh, Miles, go ahead. Tell us about your journey, how you ended up where you ended up. Yeah, so I casually just popped down to Afghanistan a few days before the collapse of Afghanistan. So when I was in Kabul, I saw the country collapsing in real time uh, from a Western perspective. And shit posted on 4chan about it consistently. Um, it was completely fun. I got to keep this uh, body armor I got given by some special forces, hung out with them. They thought I was cool. Um, had some good times, basically. Always was very happy and jolly. Met the Taliban. They tried to take photos of me. Uh, that was interesting too. Um, a few times I interacted with them thinking I was going to die, but thankfully I didn't because now that means I can go back someday. <laughs> but um, overall, good stuff. And uh, when you were there, I guess the question in a lot of people's minds is how much in danger did you feel when all of that uh, was going down? Oh, yeah, I think I did do a post the night before. Um, ball fell we heard some gunshots and i basically posted that i was going to shout out a window of them to be quiet if i did hear some gunshots which i did in the end i basically shouted them i need to sleep you know shut up and the gunshots actually stopped weirdly so i thought you know excellent uh, so that night felt fine uh, the next day the bank run started happening so everyone started drawing the money and then we basically started driving away uh, as far as we can you know try and get to the airport, loop back around, or to the embassy, sorry. And then when we got to the top of this hill area, we could see over uh, the region, so there's this road that comes into Afghanistan. And then we saw about five Taliban trucks, of course, in white Toyotas. <laughs> um, and they had AK-47s, machine guns mounted on their car. And they were basically screaming and shooting. So I thought, yeah, I was getting shot at that point. And we quickly turned around. I panicked a little bit, but at the same time, I didn't feel scared that I was going to die. I was more kind of a, ah, this is Mr. Mild Inconvenience. Um, some things with the airport too. Um, I met the Taliban. So the airport was the last thing to be ever captured by you know, the Taliban in the country. So as I was walking out the airport, because flights had been frozen, um, I came across the Taliban. They were in their car, ready to capture this area. And I started walking across the road, Tenement Square style. They, I stopped with the car by accident for a solid you know, five, ten seconds. The guys were smiling and laughing. I had my uh, I had my cross around my neck. I was wearing Western clothes and had a big smile on my face. I didn't really care. Um, but at the same time, they didn't kill me. So I think that was the closest I came to uh, almost dying. Um, a lot of people told me to stay in the airport too, which was I was going to do. And the area I was waiting uh, in originally was actually the area well a few a few meters away that basically got bombed by isis so if i stayed i think i would have probably been incinerated um the taliban saw my 4chan post which i thought was a giant shit post but it's actually true so 
when I um, <laughs> when I was being escorted uh, by the Taliban uh, to the safe place uh, with Westerners, they kind of recognised me, and they did the soy face. They were like, <laughs> they were like, you know, um, and he asked to take a selfie with me. And I, I looked at the you know, special forces and everything, and I was like, well, I can't exactly turn them down. You know, they might shoot me or something. So I guess so. So somewhere on a, I'm on Taliban TikTok, um, and thankfully not live. So yeah, the, I think that was another point where I thought I was going to die. Um, but it was just a harmless selfie. So yeah, that's it basically. All fine. Which is the picture, by the way? Is it the one where you're with the gun in that um, in the thumbnail? Is that the picture that they took, or what's the origin of that particular one? <laughs> Oh yes, yeah, so I never found the one they took, unfortunately. But the one with me, with the um, the body armor, not this one, but a different black one, and an automatic gun. Uh, that was the one some special forces took uh, of me. They gave me their equipment whilst drunk, and they thought it'd be hilarious to like, you know, get me, teach me how to defend myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, why not? And another time, I was in this area where the Russians uh, originally during the war when they were fighting Afghanistan got halted. Um, so this was you know, a very historical point. And when I pulled up there, some people pulled up, pulled up to us with AK-47s. It was the, uh, it was the police, basically, the Afghanistan you know, army. And they put their you know, guns at me and they said, oh, you know, what are you doing here? Are you spy? Are you journalist? Are you government? And I go, oh, tourists, mate, tourists. And they look <laughs> yeah, can't like, can you see the hat? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was like, Ooh. they were like, tourists? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the end, they slowly pull their guns away and I started talking to them, you know, shit posting in real life um, and being friendly and everything. And in the end, they invite me for tea and they let me climb on their car, you know, which has a toting machine gun. And that was a photo that I think is the one in my Twitter profile picture. So yeah, that, that's what happened. They took a photo with me and the automatic uh, mounted machine gun didn't have safety on and it was fully loaded. So I almost basically shot up a village by accident, but uh, didn't happen. You know, no war crimes, thankfully. Not this time anyway. So uh, good stuff. Yeah, there's always Sudan. Speaking of which, I'm curious about, we're going to get into the Sudan as well pretty soon about oh, that yes. unclaimed area. But um, it is very interesting, though, to have somebody kind of following a I don't know, a Lawrence of Arabia, who would be a model that you would say, like, this is the person that I want to emulate as far as the kind of life that they lived? Apart from myself, because, you know, I'm a complete narcissist, so I love myself. Uh, <laughs> oh. but, uh, <laughs> I would say... We'll get into I would that say, a little bit. I would say David Tennant, Doctor Who. I, I love the sense of adventure. I love the enthusiasm. I love the running. It's, it's good stuff. Absolutely. So uh, I know that uh, while I personally am one of those, you know, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual type of people. I know Gio is a uh, you know, very, uh, very hard uh, Christian. So uh, Christianity has been something that you were reintroduced to, you could say, uh, from your experience. Would that be the right way to uh, say it? Or tell us a little bit about how you uh, got into uh, Christianity. Yeah, so uh, reason one good part is why I went to Afghanistan was because I basically want to do some charity work. And I, one of the quotes that is often misquoted is I went to the top most, I wrote a list of the top 10 most dangerous countries and wanted to travel there. But it was actually the top 10 most dangerous countries for Christians. So that's why I went to Afghanistan because I went with a paycheck, basically a ton of money and started handing out to people's charity. So that's something I did uh, as a Christian over there. So, you know, I, I obviously, if I go there, just do nothing for people, it's a bit scummy. Um, but 
the uh, main reason I got into Christianity was because I did become homeless at one point and no fault of my own, basically. Um, external circumstances beyond my control. You know, I was just, I was freshly 18. It was not my fault, basically. Um, but when I was homeless, there was a, there was a point where I was going to jump off a building. Not even joking. Oh. Uh, very dark time, basically. Um, I was convinced I was going to die. Like, I was convinced it was my last day. And then I passed my A-levels and I wasn't homeless anymore. I got to go to university and so on. So in the end, it did work out. And I kind of thought I should explore this whole faith thing. And eventually I started looking in church and I was kind of lukewarm. And I was at university and I was basically uh, inside this girl at one point. And then I basically was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I just pulled out and I was like, this feels morally wrong. I don't want to have sex with you anymore. And just walked out of the room, basically. And then... The next time I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I need to get to know this person. Maybe, you know, there's something wrong with, uh, you know, this society. So I basically got a girlfriend. Um, and then even then, you know, sleeping around felt wrong. So then I dumped her, you know, mid-sex once again. Um, very awkward time, but, you know, felt right. And she wasn't a great person. So I moved on a little bit since I started researching, you know, Buddhism, Buddhism. And then I shaved my head, big mistake. And then... I started researching Christianity and I thought, okay, well, Catholicism seems based. Why not? It lines up with all my views already. I'll go talk to one of my friends who's a Catholic and he invited me to church. And the story goes on from there, basically. So well, I'm getting deeper. Did you, ever, did you ever have an in interest in Islam? Because I know there was a slew of stories in the oh, 20th Gio, your mic. You got to speak uh, louder. Oh, oh, wait, how is my mic? And on? everybody subscribe and keeps needing those super usually chats. It's usually going like I'm, hardcore. I'm going to address all the super chats uh, a little bit later in the episode, but keeps needing those super chats. Thank you very much. But is my mic all right? Yes, your mic is perfect. Yeah. Um, perfect. No, it's, there was a slew of uh, articles in the 2010s about how um, British youth are converting to Islam. Was that ever something that you've contemplated having gone to Afghanistan? Or do you feel that it's sort of alien to your culture and to your you know, your identity and so forth. Oh, it's completely alien. It's not my thing at all. And, and as a Catholic, I really don't agree with Islam and I never really had in the first place. Um, I, I do think, mm. I do respect it to some degree though, um, because if you could be de very dedicated to it and be a good person from it, I think there's some merit there. I, I, I like the, um, I think the strictest islamic person is probably more christian than the average atheist and will probably go to heaven so uh that's my belief anyway but um oh, yeah. i would i would never convert basically um there was a time where i seriously thought i would have a gun pointed to my head by the taliban and if they said oh or we mate uh you know convert to islam or uh, die i'll just be like oh um okay so let, let's film the live leak then <laughs> you know just kill let's me film jeez oh Oh man, uh, can't yeah. you can't you do like takia? You know how the Shiite Muslims do takia? Because uh, we were no, told I... we were told by Os Sultan, uh, who a uh, friend of the show, that takia is only for uh, Shiite Muslims and Sunnis don't have that. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, um... I'm not too sure. Yeah. Mm. But uh, but anyway, when you were uh, in Afghanistan and you noticed the people who were living the kind of life that they were living there, would you say um, they are? like let's say uh this uh more tradition uh traditional um admiring part of twitter likes to think that a lot of places in the quote-unquote third world whatever you want to call it that the people there are closer to the earth that they're more based 
you know, uh, that they're more red-pilled maybe too. I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah yes. much. So uh, lay it down for us. What exa How exactly would you qualify that in the, uh, in the people there? And also the people who are watching, tell me if my lips match up to the audio or not because I'm going to be tweaking my, uh, m my camera audio stuff. But anyway, go for it, Miles. Absolutely, yes. So we were at this one uh, Pacific area doing some charity work and I was speaking English to my tour guide. And then we have a group of like 20 something year old men come up to us and, you know, there's about four or five of them. And he basically starts speaking, um, you know, Dari to my uh, tour guide. And then he's speaking English to me, uh, translating it. They basically said, uh, dirty foreigner, uh, don't dirty our land with your language. And I was just laughing my ass off. I was like, well, relatable. Um, <laughs> but, um, you yeah, know, they were insanely based. And I was like, I kind of respect, you know, um, that until they pulled a knife on us, then, you know, we talked out of it and we just shook their hands. So, you know, they, they basically friend established speaking English in their country. Um, yeah. They don't like foreigners, which I don't know. I think that's kind of based to some degree. I kind of respect mm -hmm. it. Like, well, they had, all that, uh, oh, yeah. they had all that experience with the Soviets coming in and the Americans coming in, so it makes sense oh, yeah. why, let's say, more tribal societies want to be like that. that. But uh, at the same time, though, if you were to imagine, uh, I don't th even think you have to imagine certain parts in England, because you would say that there is multiculturalism, whatever you want to call it, that there is this aspect of people who are from areas like that moving into England and there being a certain amount of culture clash. Like maybe certain parts of it are a bit blown up, but at the same time, there was that whole story. I'm sure you remember about Rotherham, England. There was that whole, you know, the grooming gang scandal. So when it comes oh, yeah. to that kind of culture clash, do you notice that there is a difference in the kind of culture that you were exposed to in Afghanistan versus the culture that you see from similar parts of the world within uh, England itself? Oh, yeah. So in England, where I'm from, Birmingham, it's uh, very multicultural. So 50% are not white and there's tons of crime, basically. So loads of stabbings, loads of muggings, um, just general things like that. It feels like a very unsafe area. When I was in Afghanistan, you know, despite people being the same religion, supposedly, um, people were very respectful. They were very kind. Apparently, stealing was non-existent because of the punishments and the actual beliefs. I, I believe, um, you know, a lot of people in the West are, you know, um, kind of, I would say, dirtying the religion almost, kind of twisting it and not following it. Uh, you Maybe they go to church or the mosque or something like that, but they don't actually follow their beliefs. Whereas people in Afghanistan are actually completely dedicated and are very good people. That's what I found. Even during the fall of Kabul, when I was running and everyone was shutting up their stores and everything, some guy stopped me and tried to help me with something. So I'm more than grateful to these people and I do respect them as individuals. Um, I don't respect the Taliban, but I do think individually some of them are good people um, who I would trust more than some of my neighbors, if that makes sense. Do you think that when it comes to people who are let's say second generation i think especially more than the first generation like more than let's say the older people who got here and you know raised their kids in england those kids that they end up raising do you think that because things are a little bit more lack maybe even the first generation i don't know that things are a little bit more lack lax when it comes to certain rules in england or sweden or places like that then let's say back then when you were used to okay if i do this wrong i'm going to be punished that's not there oh, yeah. anymore so it's almost yeah, like when the when the cat's away the mice will play 
Exactly, yeah. So some third generation uh, people here that are Muslims, they, they say they're strict Muslims, but uh, I know them personally and a few of them. This obviously isn't everyone, but a few I've spoken to, you know, uh, sleep around with uh, a guy or girl once every few weeks. Um, you know, they, they eat all the meats. Uh, they, they skip a prayer every once in a while. They basically just break all the rules. But then they go, oh, don't worry, I'm wearing my headscarf. Um, and then they have a ton of makeup on and all this other stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like they're um, they think if they do one small aspect of their religion, they're protected. But even in Catholicism, you know, there's a thing called being lukewarm, which is basically worse than an atheist, where you just kind of half-ass the rules. Cafeteria. You know <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's a little bit pathetic. At least, at least be uh, dedicated to religion. Almost um, that's something I would respect. But uh, these people, you know, it's a, it's an awkward mesh of cringe Western ideals and you know the uh, the stuff. The, uh, the traditions in so religions that don't really have a big impact it's it's bizarre almost but in afghanistan people are very dedicated and you know they're not really affected by the west um do, do you think that um there's a term for it i remember some vice article there were a bunch of uh, instagram people were trying to inf uh, i guess when they try to like own something or take it the counter discourse you ever heard of the term hojabi have you ever heard of this where it's like yes yeah, so. like Western Muslim women who don't follow the edicts of Islam, but it's sort of like an aesthetic thing or it's a cultural oh, yeah. thing. And and they have a lot of like post-colonial ideals about the West. And uh, but but you're saying like having been exposed to actual Islamic culture now that the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan, uh, rightfully yeah. so, in my opinion. But um, uh, I think that do, do you feel that the sort of. Um, having been of the generation that's been most affected by the migrant crisis in Europe, especially in England, um, yeah. the sort of discourse that the, I remember, maybe you're a bit too young, but I remember back in the day, the oh, sort of like, yeah, yeah I'm, well, I'm a bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the sort of like um, Mark Stein, neocon, like Europe is being Islamized, but do you, I mean, Europe is kind of being Islamized, but do you feel that the same sort of, um, let's call it like liberal modernity, that that's inevitably going to convert Islamic Islamic populations within Europe, that it's going to sort of like weaken their religious resolve the way that it has with Christianity? Or do you think that they have an ability to sort of repel the inevitable like modern secularization, I guess you could say? Um, it's it's weird. I, I feel like some things will be cringe and some things will be based <laughs> um <laughs> so you, you when you go into birmingham or the place you know i'm from basically you will see small pockets or large pockets of uh, muslim populations and they don't change basically they just create their own little ecosystem which is quite interesting and mm. they yeah. say they strict themselves but then the daughters and everything go on tiktok and then it's all downhill from there so i feel like um, there will be kind of a divide of devote people but i do see Britain becoming an Islamic nation within 100 or 200 years uh, maximum. Mm. And I think when you go back to the Middle East or Afghanistan, um, these areas, I don't think they'll become too Western. I mean, the Taliban basically said, oh, we're going to adopt Western policies. Women can now go to... Um, go to uh, school sometimes. Um, so that's the most Western they're getting, basically. It's not going to be LGBT flags anytime soon. Um, mm. So, yeah, I yeah. think it's, yeah, it's going to stay very, uh, it's going to stay very uh, pure to, um, you know, extreme Islam, I believe. Um, 
And I think rightfully so, you should stick to your religion if you want to. And obviously it's their land. But there is an interesting thing, though, that I think uh, has to be considered, which is the question of uh, conscience. The question of, like you mentioned before, a lot of these laws are very strict there. If you don't do something a certain way, then you're going to get a very heavy punishment. I know like in Saudi Arabia, for instance, you get your hands uh, done away with for uh, stealing, things of that nature. And, oh, good, yeah. Yeah, and my question is, when it comes to actually knowing that if I do something wrong, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it, not because I'm afraid of getting punished, but because I know that it's going to affect this person in a certain way and I feel it inside, so that's why I'm not going to do it. My concern from yeah. uh, from seeing uh, what uh, you were talking about regarding what's happening in the West with the subsequent generations who come there is that it does not seem like it's this inner conscience, this understanding of doing wrong. It's more yeah. of just this very ingrained idea of yeah. if I do A, B is going to happen to me. And to me, just that kind of culture, even though the people could be very kindly as far as how they interact with you, my fear is that that in a Western state is not going to be a good, um, it's not going to be good as far as getting people that inner consciousness, which I think can be developed over time. If people are just going to be afraid of getting punished and that's why they're going to act a certain way then something feels off to me. Something feels like it's not going in the right direction. But I'm curious if you have thoughts on that. Oh, of course, yes. I do understand sometimes you have to install kind of a fear of you know, breaking the law in general just because, you know, it's it's the only way to keep peace. Like, for example, if you, you know, um, was running Afghanistan and no one was listening to what you do, you would enforce harsher and harsher punishments. But I think with the West, you know, it's getting worse. So that's why people are degrading morally in general. I mean, it's not just people with Islam, but just in just in the entire population. That's why you see uh, Sweden's uh, crime statistics going up massively. It's uh, it's not because of uh, changing statistics and sampling in data. It's, uh, it's because people are realizing they can get away with things and because, you know, their families aren't over there enforcing strict policies. They're basically just giving into moral corruption. I think sometimes you do have to enforce harsh punishments, and then from there you can bring up the um, the moral spirit and mm. actually learn why it's bad, like you said. But I think the biggest issue is just having good parents who actually can provide and actually talk through religion properly, and that's what that's missing. I think it's a heavy consumeristic population that's kind of screwing over the West in every single demographic, really. Um, but but, but that's what I'm curious about. When you say every yeah. single demographic, if you have, for example, yeah. on one hand, uh, somebody who's uh, raised in the Swedish household or a Norwegian household or whatever, and they have parents that, let's say, are very sex positive and uh, very friendly right. towards gay people and whatever, and they end up getting raised in this very liberal environment... I don't think they're going to be the ones who are going to throw car bombs. I don't think they're going to be the ones who are going to be running around stabbing people. That is still a separate culture, which does have spiritual death, you could say. It does have a lack of, uh, you know, looking beyond whatever it is in the daily, you know, in, uh, in TikTok. But still, I would separate that from what ends up, I think, happening with uh, second generation people who come from uh, other places that have this stricter punishment. So do you possibly see there being a, a similar difference between the two? And uh, where do you think eventually these different paths are going to go in uh, the European countries? Yeah, so I think 
I don't want it to go like this, but I think it's going to be the same thing with 1920s Germany. Um, people are going to see things get worse and worse. People are going to be pushed too far with their beliefs. There's going to be huge divides. One of the groups go revolt, either the Liberals or the Democrats or or the Republicans, sorry, and whichever one in between. You know, some group is going to try and push for power. Um, you know, we've seen it with Antifa or you know any other groups of people. Um, they're going to be radicalised in their one direction, either way. Um, and then they're going to clash with the other populations. I think it was Socrates who said um, you actually need a homogeneous population to actually have a you know stable democracy. And I think with other people having different interests, it's going to be a melting pot of ideas that clash until people just clash in general. Because when you're comfortable with fattened foods and a nice house and heating and everything else, what do you go for? You go for ideals and you nitpick politics. And that's what the West is doing right now. Um, people are just clashing over the smallest of things. It's only going to get bigger and bigger. Oh, um, oh sorry. Did I cut you off, Miles? I'm very sorry. No, no, carry on, sorry. Well, I I was going to say, um, we've sort of gotten ahead of ourselves because I do want to talk a bit more about your conversion um, and also some of the things that your, um, not friends, uh, let's call them, uh, fellow students were saying about you, how you're this evil narcissist, uh, dark triad, a transphobe and all this crap. But uh, we'll get into that. But what I wanted to say is that it's, it's interesting we're having you on because to me, when the sort of response to what you did your trip and we could also talk about dark tourism in general um because oh, you yeah. said you did you went to chernobyl and all, all that uh people mm. said you know it's it, maybe it's kind of true that it's irresponsible you're some stupid kid you don't know what you're doing but to me it seems that when i like i, I don't know listen this is going to sound like you know out there but when i look yeah. at you i look at the sort of the same british youth of the colonial period that would command vast swaths of the earth from very few men in very arduous conditions. Do you feel that, not to say that what you were doing is the same as the, you know, the British colonial spirit, but um, you know, the Rudyard Kipling poem about Afghanistan, the Afghan war. Um, but do you feel that there's sort of, that you what you did is almost like a delicious throwback to the greatness of the British people and for right or wrong, for all of the evil and all of the good that they've done, do you feel that modern day Britain has lost something of their own sense of self in terms of their relation to history and their colonial past. And do you oh, think that cool. what you did is sort of like a weird 4chan culture way of recapitulating that? So, oh, sorry, I've talked too much, but go, go ahead, go ahead. That's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I do feel like <coughs> Britain has completely lost its identity. No one has any pride in this country anymore. No one actually believes in any ideals or believes in a flag. It's just something that flies there and people kind of just glare at it, you know, look at it in general. But no one has any belief in the system or anything. They just feel like they're wandering. You know, no one nowadays apparently has a sense of purpose. Everyone's some depressed nihilist who reads philosophy and is an edgy atheist on Reddit. (laughs) I think it's a little bit pathetic almost. Yes. And, uh, you know, mm. I kind of laugh in their faces, um, but I do wish them the best. But like, yeah, at the same time, I just can't respect them. I mean, I've got I've got, um, <laughs> you know, communists, feminists, uh, you know, people who study psychology and drink five times a night criticizing me. And I still really <laughs> care because what do their opinions mean to me with these people? Um, you know, if they have a valid criticism, I'll obviously counter it because they don't know what they're talking about. They weren't there. They read a news article uh, that was, you know, just some general ship host really where it's just um 
it's just ramblings from a you know a left-wing journalist who doesn't know what they're talking about <laughs> and then they certainly try to adopt an opinion because you know it's the most popular one um so Britons has lost their identity. I don't really care what these people say about me. The whole transphobe thing, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll address that. So I own this confession page on um, on my Facebook page where basically you would send in a message to this page, like, uh, like, a, like a confession about university, and I would either let it through or not. You know, some of it would be like, oh, I threw up last night on this night out and I've got to prove. Now there's one where it's like trans rights. Now this is a Catholic page. And Catholics are not LGBT, and it can't be. It so was a troll. I said, yeah. So I said, well, no, they were being serious. So I was like, not gonna post that. I don't, I don't post like any Nazi stuff. I don't post any other stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not gonna post that. And they go, oh, that's really transphobic, Miles. Oh, and then they go, <laughs> would you date a trans person? I go, no, because if they're trans, they're not, they're not Christian. You know, they're not devote, devote Catholics. So no, I would not date them. And plus, you know, I don't believe a whole trans thing. And then they uh, they freaked out, and I, I don't really care. You know, they can call me all these names, and I'll just laugh in their faces. Like, you know, what do I lose if I'm homeless? At least I'm homeless, and I'm right. Oh my god! Well, that's that that's the thing. It's sort of like the material condition of someone that you're denouncing. It's like you were literally homeless, and you were on the edge, and but yet it's like that doesn't matter because you have um, naughty naughty no no thoughts. And it's, uh, I find that very interesting, yeah. but they, I mean, they, a lot of, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. They, they, they said I was a narcissist for going to Afghanistan and actually enjoying it. But no, I think, why should I go to a country and then be put in a bad situation? And then, you know, just, should I be pathetic and cry? Should I, you know, break down just to appease people? No, what I'm going to do is make the best out of the situation and actually try and cope and keep my level head so I can actually get out of there and be absolutely fine. I shouldn't, you know, uh, get overly emotional at such times. Same things with soldiers and doctors and all that. Obviously I'm nowhere as good as those people, but you know, it's the same type of mindset. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not narcissistic or anything. I haven't hurt people. I do a lot of charitable work. I help a lot of people behind the scenes and I don't brag about it specifically or do a huge list of these are people who are helped because that's narcissistic mm. within itself. Um, I remember I've had a few people too. These are the same people who complained about me on, on Reddit. Um, they wrote to the university and those um, <laughs> yeah, that's those right, letters, that's right. yeah, those letters got sent to me. And here's the thing too. Um, I know their identities, so I don't really care who they are, but the university actually didn't send to be, be named. So they basically highlighted them in black and I just copy and pasted them and saw them. <laughs> and I told the university about that. But these same people with these reddit accounts they were saying i was a terrorist who went there to fund them or something oh but god how does oh, that work how's that how's that work because i was the ones running away from them so yeah they, they don't really make sense they're a bit kooky you know um they're a little bit um mentally deficient i would say and i've met these people a lot of times and let's say they're not these you know the brightest people i wish them all the best but you know they're overly emotional they suffer from huge mental health issues um you know they have a body count in the hundreds of both boys and girls <laughs> and when i think you know why should i respect soul it's like it's like um it's like an overweight person criticizing me at the gym it's like you know no you know if you if you're not qualified in the actual field i don't really respect your opinion on it unless if it's you know something that's revelating um and same things with these people. These people, you know, get drunk five times a night, go out, um, you know, constantly post liberal stuff online. 
and then they they criticize me for not being liberal but i'm that's what i'm going for i'm not going for their ideals i'm going for my own i they're not there i'm not there for their approval the only reason i post online is because i wanted some people to enjoy the ride and everyone else who doesn't want to enjoy the ride can simply get off and not view me it's as simple as <laughs> if i if i see someone i don't like i don't write a paragraph um so it's a funny thing too i got loads of messages um if every positive message no sorry for every 10 positive messages i had one negative and it was always some elderly schizo person basically saying oh miles you're such a narcissist you're a terrible person you should kill yourself kill oh, yourself oh kill this you is on youtube oh, this is on youtube, YouTube. we gotta yeah. be we gotta be careful oh, sorry, there. no problem yes, well, some yes, gender so goblin this... telling you to an hero that's yeah uh, that's that's better uh, that's a good mm -hmm. reference remember somebody even brought an ipod to that gravesite well, oh god oh my god well <laughs> tuta asks um who who treated you better the literal taliban or libtards i think we know the answer to that one yeah, but, <laughs> they um oh they, sorry they gave, yeah the taliban handed me some water at one point they passed me on the back they took photos of me libertards called me a narcissist but then you know gave me uh you know end of life threats so um <laughs> You know, it's kind of like, why would you call yourself, you know, why would you criticize someone and call them a narcissist and then tell them to do something like that? Isn't that kind of, you know, and ironic almost? Um, these people have no self-awareness. You know, at the end of the day, I was more scared of the media than I was by the Taliban. Do you think that there's also a connection here to if you were to, for example, go into the American South or go to Texas somewhere? I would expect, I've never been to Texas, but I would expect in the more rural parts, there would be a lot of sir, there would be a lot of ma'am, there would be a lot of that because that's more of an honor-based society where they know that, you know, you'd probably be liable to get beaten up or, you know, to get shot at, let's say, if you disrespect somebody. So it's almost like saying, you know, good fences make good neighbors, you know, good weaponry makes for uh, respectability because you have to be able to make sure that you don't do something that's going to insult somebody. But now with the internet, everybody's just free to mudfling and to do the worst things, especially when they feel like they're politically empowered. So I am curious what exactly is going to be the end of the, uh, the end of the line here. Like, do you think that uh, there are going to be people who are going to learn to restrict themselves or do you think we're going to go into some kind of an even further crescendo where there will be people so empowered to just say the absolute worst thing because they're not going to get into trouble and it's going to feel like people talk about feeling humiliation feeling like the establishment is just outwardly humiliating all the people that they consider to have wrong think oh yeah i i do think the whole wrong thing thing will actually happen so i read 1984 and i was like wow what a documentary on 2020 about the time so um I, I do see it happening. I don't see it going, you know, as far as it's um, portrayed in the book. But at the same time, I do think uh, a lot of people will be shut down. You know, there'll be more and more control, more and more restrictions on the internet and everyone's free speech, especially with uh, CCTV and voice recognition, all this rubbish. Um, you know, there's going to be slowly more restrictions opened up. I mean, you can go on Twitter in 2008 and watch live league videos of fun. Yeah. Um, but now, now you can't even criticize neil degrasse tyson without an atheist you know tracking down your ip uh, it's um yeah so it's uh i feel like you know, things are going to be slowly introduced and it's going to get more and more restrictive almost and there will only be a few nations where you've got utopian free speech um 
So yeah, North Korean will be seen as a kind of a yeah, free speech zone. It'll be seen as libertarian almost. <laughs> I'm joking. But um, some countries I think will stay quite good. Like for example, Poland, I, I really do admire as a country um, because they actually allow them to have right-wing views and everything like that. Mm. Um, well, Poland seems, same, uh, seems like a good balance. They have Christianity, well, they have Catholicism. It's always been a very heavily Catholic country. And at the same time, they do allow for differing opinions. And I think it's important to have this balance between having, you know, giving people a certain amount of dignity, but not giving them the freedom to basically shit on other people's dignity because they feel empowered to do so. So when you talk about having more of a homogeneous society, let's say, uh, what, how would you... Uh, how would you say that would work in practice when it comes to if somebody is, for example, like take, take myself, for instance, my mom is uh, Jewish and we're for originally from Russia, from St. Petersburg, uh, USSR. And I want to be the best American I possibly can be. And we moved to America and this is what I want to be. This is what my family wants to be. And I've known many other people who were in my position, uh, whether they're Jewish, whether they're from, um, uh, from um, you know Nigeria or from wherever, they want to be the best Americans, and they have the same cultural values when it comes to how they raise their kids to be able to uh, pass that on. Would you say yeah. that when you say homogeneous, that the people who actually want to be a good American or Englishman or whatever, that they would be able to do so despite having, let's say, different genetic profile or whatever? Yeah, I would say most of the time. I wouldn't say, for example, pretend half of Mexico wanted to come to the US and then they all promised, you know, to be um, you know, American in culture and everything. I would obviously limit the numbers greatly, like with Trump, how, how he uh, proposed. So I would let in some people, of course. And then um, as long as they try to be American and good people and pick up all the values of the language and so on, absolutely, they can do that. That's cool. Like, for example, if I went to a different country, I wouldn't demand they have a little in English sector and open like an English takeaway shop and so on. I would go there. I would learn the language, respect the culture and basically contribute to the local community. I would um, become one of them almost as much as I can. And I would thank them for trying to include me as well, because, you know, I've, invite, I've been invited in. Like um, when you go to someone's house, you don't demand that everything gets changed for you. You, you know, you say thank you. You appreciate the stuff they give you. You fit in. You, you read the mood, basically. I think the same thing is with international affairs. But um, a lot of people obviously don't want to do that. And I can see both sides, really. I can see you know, why a family that just came from, a war-torn country and kind of wants to, you know, just settle down, have some peace and quiet, come to a different country and doesn't want to go through a whole ordeal because they didn't really want to come to a different country in the first place to begin with. Um, it's really bizarre, but at the same time with globalisation just accelerating, uh, I, I, I don't see my opinion having a difference because either way, some countries will go through the route of just, you know, keeping... Keeping keeping immigration low, like with Japan and um, same with Russia and also Poland, and then some countries will just become a. Uh, I, I wouldn't a, say uh, Russia's keeping immigration low if you're talking about the Muslims, because yes, they, they have. Love. No, they have really? not. No, here's here's oh, the thing. No, so here's here's basically what love happened. is a self-hating Russian. Don't worry about it. No, <laughs> I hate the Russian government and I love the Russian people. That the Russian government keeps being a, par a, par a parasite, a parasite towards. 
It's this, no, it's oh, yeah. this, uh, and I think you have been in RT before, but it is this, like, Russian Potemkin village that's created for a Western audience. Bever, are that... you accusing our guest of being a glowy because he was on Russia? <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. No, I mean, the Ru Russia today is owned by the Russian government, and they do peddle a particular Based. kind of propaganda. CBC is owned by the Kiyan government. I hate it, so... But, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, the point that I'm getting to here is uh, in Russia right now, there's a lot of people from uh, Tajikistan, from the other Stans that are around that area, as well as from the uh, Caucasus, who uh, come in there, and especially the deal that uh, Putin made with uh, Kadyrov um, guarantees that the uh, people who come there from Chechnya, they can do whatever they want and they don't get persecuted. So they can go and have their way forcefully with a Russian woman on the street and nothing bad's going to happen to them because that's how the Russian government was able to make peace with that particular area. So they have their own really big problems when it comes to that. Well, I think even if you're an immigrant or not, if you rape someone in general, I think you should be thrown on the island and just left to survive, basically, or in prison for life. If it's you know, defensive, you definitely raped. You know, it's on camera. You know, evidence is paramount. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that. But... At the same time with Russia, then, yeah, that's not too good. I don't like that. Um, you need a lot of people that would, would respect the culture and everything. You need to, basically, when you're building a team, like with a country with a fair population, you need to pick the best of the best. And that's what Japan does to some degree, I believe, anyway. Um, but so do, but do you also think that, Russia. I'm curious, do you think there's also a difference between culture and civilization? So when I say the word culture and I say the word civilization, what would civilization imply to you? It would be the monuments, the ideals, the actual founding, uh, the wars, the roles of each gender in each society, because there's only two genders anyway. Um, stuff like that, basically. And uh, I don't really thought to do that definition, but yeah. Well, I'm curious because with something like civilization, I see there being different cultures. You know, there's different ways that people pray. There's different ways that people, uh, you know, uh, make food for each other. But when it comes to civilization, like when you have the idea of like, what is civilized? Like Japan is civilized in how yes. they conduct their affairs uh, for the most part. You know, there's obviously various exceptions, but uh, there are other places where life is much harder. Life is much more brutal. And you could say that there is a culture there and they could be very like in Afghanistan, for, for instance. Would you say that there would be the same level of civilization there? I would. And again, I wasn't there, you know, way more than me. But just upon yeah. reading various things and just seeing just how hard and how tough and how retributional a lot of the uh, customs there are, I wouldn't say that it is at that same civilization level. And it doesn't mean that the civilization we have here in the West is great by any means. All the problems that you said right now, yeah. all the hellscapes that people are living through right now in their mind, it's not good. But I want to see, like, what exactly can we agree on? would be at least a direction that maybe those cultures could also go into while at the mm. same time avoiding the mires that our current quote-unquote civilization is trapped in. Well, I would say the one thing that unites and also... I'll, I'll say the one thing I'd find a civilization between all you know, cultures and everything and civilizations in general would be being in the country and being able to walk to someone on the streets and basically just ask them a question or ask them for some basic help, you know, directions, maybe borrow a phone charge or, you know, um, use their phone potentially and not have fear if someone approaches you. When I'm in, when I was in Afghanistan, people would come up to me 
and I I wouldn't I wasn't I wasn't fearful because a lot of people were just good people they were good neighbors basically that's what I'm trying to say they were they were they were going through such hardships but at the same time they were very kind and they were very generous they had so little but they gave so much but at the same time in places like America I do love the American people but a lot of them um yeah they, they have a lot so for example loads of food and resources but then they become gluttonous and eat a ton of food and yes. if someone comes up to you and say Detroit uh, you're assuming you get shot or stabbed or moped yes. so um yeah so <laughs> but in Afghanistan if someone comes up to you you go how do you how can I help you brother basically so I think that's the one thing that could be taught across all those cultures if that is that what you um I th- is that what you are? I, th- I think it's close, but it also, uh, I think it's important to emphasize that other thing I talked about before when it comes to are a lot of the ways that people act something that's from the inside, like the uh, conscience, like the inner Jiminy Cricket, or is it just like this inherent fear of punishment? Could one fuse with the other? You know, could one kind of bring the other up? And, uh, the, well, yeah. Because, like, in Christianity, you have a fear of hell which makes sense because hell is a um i would say hell and fear in general is a good motivator to do research and let's say uh you were threatened with say detention or a severe punishment let's say as a kid in afghanistan uh to read the quran and study actually you know the holy text and everything then from there you can actually develop the inner conscience and also the inner understanding and depth that you need for compassion and everything and empathy on such a greater level so i think fear is a good motivator that also leads to that um so i would say yeah you definitely do need very harsh punishments that could be a good motivator but it sometimes doesn't work it has to be directed in the right way um some people might just be so fearful uh, that they'll just kill everyone and leave no witnesses so they don't get convicted instead of you know just stealing the person running um so there's a huge contrast. That's why I think you do need some sort of spirit, spil- I can't say the word now, uh, spirituality, yes, or some sort of religion to keep you in check almost. It's why the Buddhists are so peaceful despite them living you know, seemingly hard lives compared to the West. Um, same things with um, most Christians, Muslims, and everything in between, really. It's only the, you know, the libtard atheist. I mean, the edgy West, that's kind of you know, morally breaking down in every single regard. Well, morally breaking down, possibly. Oh, gee, I know I kind of stepped on your question. One final question that I have uh, before, before is there are stories that I heard of, uh, let's say, women going on adventures, going to India, let's say. And a lot of yeah. uh, bad and things. And hooking up with a shaman sir, and, uh, <laughs> and getting... Of- uh, Dick down by a sixty-year-old dude. Yeah, well, um, before the, the no, 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 before the sixty-year-old dude, there are instances. Sorry, I had to get up for a minute. There are uh, often oh, uh, there are often these instances that I keep hearing about women going on vacation and then various uh, gangs in those particular areas end up taking advantage of them uh, quite a lot, and this is something that seems to be reoccurring. So there is some, uh, let's say, unhingedness going on within places. Uh, that uh, I don't know. I'm curious. Like, what would be the differences between those places that the women went to, whether it's in India or whether the, you remember that whole beheading story? And um, oh yes, yeah. So th- these things I think do happen, and there is a fear that if uh, anybody was to go into these places, even I remember, I believe this was in Bolivia. There was some YouTuber who went to Bolivia and was doing uh, 
a uh, webcam session there, and some of the villagers told him he wanted to go to the most dangerous village in Bolivia. He went around saying, like, oh, there's nothing dangerous here, everything's fine, while a lot of the villagers were just speaking uh, to him uh, in language he didn't understand, and they were basically saying, dude, what the fuck are you doing here? Get out of here, this is a dangerous area. Yeah. You know, like, there are environments like that, so I'm curious, what was it specifically about where you were that that same kind of um, thing did not happen um, and it does end up happening in those environments. So what, what is the difference? Well, I think the one thing is you've always got to prepare for the worst case scenario, which I did at the same time. I had a tracker on me that was disguised as a different item in my bag and on my body, basically. So no matter what, wherever I went, as long as there was a clear view of a satellite, I, someone was going to be able to see where I was. At the same time, too, I wasn't endangering other people's lives, so that's a good thing, because at the end of the day, it's my life to uh, mess about with if I really want to, as long as I'm not harming anyone else. Um, but if you're, say, in Bolivia, bringing around a tour guide and some friends and saying, trust me, come to this village, and then you'll get beheaded, that's kind of messed up and that's kind of on you. But with Afghanistan, it's, I think it's quite safe and at the same time. I think if you're going there for a noble reason or anywhere in the world for a noble reason, such as me doing charity work or me going to South Sudan with a bunch of money basically to hand out to people who desperately need it, I think even if you die there, you die doing a good cause. And if I got beheaded in South Sudan, but I gave you know, a few thousand to starving children that were going to die otherwise or you know, suffer immensely, I would say oh, I'm actually quite glad I died doing that. Um, so at the end of the day, I think, I'm not too sure. I think that answers the question, right? Or did I go off track? Uh, no, that was, uh, I would say that's close at least as far as your experience there. But I'm just trying to find out what exactly was the difference between, and I know that you weren't in those specific places, so you can't really speak to them. But I am still trying to figure out this level of danger that somebody like me or other people would assume would exist in a lot of these uh, places, again, by the media but I can't you just turn my eyes away from that either. So what was the difference between that kind of village and what uh, the women that I described may have been experiencing as far as the uh, kind of cultures that they were meeting? Like, yeah. So it would be the culture. So in Afghanistan, if you're walking around as a woman, you would have to be paired away with a man or another woman who's trusted, basically. So if you're walking around alone as a woman, that's a whole different deal. And basically, you will have something bad happen to you, unfortunately. Or it's very likely that someone will take advantage. Because even though there's very good people in the cultures, a good majority, there's an overwhelming amount of people who are terrible and just looking for a slight opportunity. And especially women in such a strict Islamic culture, if you've got someone who's you know, perverted the mind and a rapist, and he sees a white woman for the first time in 10 years, and he finds it insanely attractive, you know, this guy is going to snap almost and do something terrible, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but so but, the, but like the law is supposed to keep them under control, though. So is it a matter of uh, the law not being applied that well or just like a mist, like the police weren't there at the time? Like, what exactly would you oh, say when it yeah, comes to... Like, um, yeah. It's like the law only works sometimes. It's a thing. It's like uh, it's like liberals who see uh, a you know, mass shooting in a no gun zone. They go, "What? Why did it happen?" The, the uh, you know, it was meant to be no guns. But you know, um, either way, I think the laws do work to some extent. For example, maybe a few people will be deterred, but there's always going to be one who breaks the law at the very least. Um, so I think there's always a small disparity. But no, it's not going to cover it 100 percent of the time. It's not idealistic it's not perfect 
but it's still good to be there, basically. And I think the laws and all the rules they put in do hold some weight and do carry some value. And uh, actually, I'm curious, before I get to Gio, about the food. What did yeah. you think of the cuisine there? <laughs> oh, just so one thing about Afghanistan that's underrated. No one talks about it. The food there is the best food I've ever tried. I've been in Italy. The Italian food's amazing. But for the price, I went to a random place. It was literally made, of sh made out of corrugated iron, sticks, and random bricks, right? It literally had no road. It was like, it was middle of nowhere. I thought it was just a random building. I walk in there. I have the best kebab of my life for one pound, which is like one dollar something, basically, like one dollar fifty. It was incredible. And these, <coughs> these people have only basic spices and resources, and they make something that tastes so good. And it's all grown locally. Um, they will get pomegranates that they would pick from a farm 20 miles away, drive it on the same day, and then squeeze it into um, a little cup for you. And then you'll have the purest you know, foods ever and the purest drink. Wow. The food there is amazing. It's not GMO. It's it's not dodgy. It's not full of soy. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, it's actually good, healthy food that actually is nutritious and adds something to you. You know, no sugar dependency. Mm. Um, so so no, people no, aren't dying but... from a lot of the stuff that Americans are dying of, or English are dying of, comes to heart disease, obesity, things of that nature. That's not you're not going to find that there. Yeah, you do not find an obese person in Afghanistan, <laughs> and if you do, uh, the reason is they you know they're truckers or something. Um, it's it's very rare to see someone who's overweight. Thankfully. Um, but at the same time, we die from other things, of course. Their life expectancy is a lot shorter just because, you know, there's asbestos everywhere, the pollution, uh, the lack of medical access, stuff like that, basically. But well, um, it, does, it does have the potential to do a lot better than the U.S. in terms of life expectancy. Things really got better, I think. Yeah, no corn syrup, somebody said. So uh, I do agree, no name. Well, they also have a lot of chemical based. dumps and uh, munitions, mm. depleted uranium. Uh, for example, I've, uh, Iraq is like a chemical waste dump because yeah. of uh, the intervention. Um, yeah, I'm right about the collapsing birth rate. Yeah, but Sunny freaked out on me for some reason. I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, it's it's funny you mention because Afghanistan, Afghani cuisine is a mix of uh, Mediterranean, Arab, and also Indian cuisine. They have a lot of different... It's like It literally is kind of like why it became the graveyard of empires because there's so many different like uh civilizations on its border um like the but it's it's funny when you look at that grand view of things but um mm. i i guess uh when you when you're talking about experiencing cultural cohesion um it's it is kind of it is kind of uh, interesting going back to that question of why is it that people in britain convert to islam why is it that there are, um, I don't know, baby witches on TikTok. It seems that the sort of like cringe Reddit fedora thing, it's still a reality, but it seems that people have been subject to a sort of mania. Like they're willing to find anything metaphysical to like fill the void mm. in the absence of Christianity, whether it's like, I don't know, doing seances against Donald Trump on TikTok, or it's like becoming an Islamist. Like well, it's uh, maybe it is kind of like the the Rousseau noble savage idea, kind of transferred to a lot of these young people who seek out something pure and something noble, but they don't want to seek it out in their own backyard. They don't want to seek it out amongst people who have had generations upon generations of tradition that they can uh, learn from. Which I think is the direction you're going, Miles. But you're in England, so being a Catholic in England was. 
Where? Wait, what? I said, I said, unfortunately, unfortunately. Said, um, yes, yes, exactly. Yes. So there, yeah. there was something called the uh, dissenters. Are you familiar with the dissenters? No, but do go on. Okay, so the dissenter, just so I make sure I'm getting it right here. Let's see. Uh, so they were... Okay. So, oh, no, no. Actually, these are not Catholics. Sorry, these are Protestants. So my mistake. We're not going to talk about the dissenters anymore. But there was an interesting uh, pamphlet written by uh, the same guy who wrote... Uh, let's see, what was that uh, book? The one about... Uh, be uh, Daniel Defoe. So Daniel Defoe. Defoe, yeah. Yeah, he wrote a pamphlet called and i love this title the shortest way with the dissenters now there is just some, uh, something about i mean you kind of get what shortest way means right like the shortest way with the dissenters i don't know if that's a phrase that i haven't heard of it before do you mean uh kind of so that's, Love, who are the dissenters i think you have to explain you have to give more context here. Okay, the okay. Joke, yeah, so Daniel... I know it's explaining the joke, but it's like... Okay, Gio, explain the joke. And by the way, he wrote Robinson yeah, Crusoe, Daniel Defoe. But uh, yeah, so basically the pamphlet was about how uh, these dissenters were causing so many problems in England that uh, they basically had to be done away with, they had to be crucified, and, you know, let's crucify the thieves, all that. But it was meant as a parody. Yeah. And uh, because of that, it ruined the entire career of uh, Daniel Defoe from there on in. And I think he even got into prison for a while. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I brought that specific uh, thing up. I guess I brought it up because I thought that it was related to uh, Catholicism. But in general, there was just this, you know, mass amount of religious fervor going on in England. Catholic, uh, Catholics versus Protestants, Protestants versus the uh, yeah. C of E. And right now, what is it like being a Catholic in the, let's say, more C of E majority England? Yeah, so I would put it in context of when I was at university. So what happened was I would go on these Catholic dating apps and then I would find someone in my local area, you know, someone who's uh, yeah, apparently devotedly Catholic or Christian in general. So when I would meet them, turns out they are crazy alcoholics who go out five times a night like i said uh you know they um they go to church once every few weeks or something like that even though you meant to go every sunday or preferably every day to mass um don't know anything swear like a sailor or to swear in general uh they eat tons of foods they they basically have tons of sex with random people um they're basically they're not even true catholics i think for every 10 catholics i meet nine of them are just false catholics like, I, I've had this one person approach me saying, oh, you can be a Catholic and pro-abortion. I'm like, no, are you stupid? It's like saying, oh, can I be pro-drowning in a lifeguard? It doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, I think it's retarded. So um, a lot of these people are very lost, and I think Catholicism has definitely lost its way in England. You, you, when you walk into a church, I have a small friendship group of about 10 people who are pure Catholics, but the rest of the people in the churches are just old people, so I feel like we're going to become a major majority, so we might have to start our own old state at one point. Um, yeah, maybe Berta Real, but... Um, you know, another issue, is I think it's funny, you uh, mentioned how the the way that they, um, like the the sort of younger Taliban members were soy facing over your Vicich and Legend. Yes. It's, it, it is funny how uh, like for example, when they first conquered Afghanistan, there was those images of them like on the uh, the river boats, like the mm -hmm. the paddle boats, and uh, having a fun time at the uh, 
the disco and the um, bumper cars. It it is oh, funny, yeah. <laughs> like it, it is kind of <laughs> surreal. There's this great book. I, I mentioned this on the show a lot. There's this book by this art critic from Scandinavia. His name is uh, Thurston Botsborstein. He wrote this book. It's called ISIS and Italian Futurism, where it's about how, in a way, like these ultra traditionalist uh, Wahhabi Islamic, you know, Taliban members, how they utilize technology and digital technology and social media. And they have like high production value videos that like used to find uh, back when oh, live yeah. leaks was around. But it, it yeah. is kind of funny how they've sort of embraced like an odd form of futurism in that it's sort of like the closest to like what trads on Twitter talk about when they post, I don't know, like for Warhammer 40k images or whatever. It's like, it's really wild how they translate like, it. They tr yeah, exactly. Like how yeah. they translate, for example, you becoming like a living meme almost into like this, oh my God, you know, Lord Miles. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's really just, it's fascinating. Like that part was just, it blew my mind. It's like, it's like, oh, my ancestor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I, I mixed feelings about it because I read Ted Kay's book, you know, um, and obviously I don't encourage all the bonnet, the uh, dodgy, booms he did yes. uh yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i had a sense of that but um you've got yeah so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't encourage any of that stuff but his points about uh people wanting to remain traditionalists but adopting new technology and then ruining their tradition or deviating from it massively is very true because I don't believe you can strictly keep tradition and new technology they're incompatible because they introduce different aspects to things. Hmm. So I understand in the short term, you know, it's it's good for the Taliban from their perspective. I don't agree yeah. with it, but it's good from their perspective, you know, creating these uh, you know, shit posts on Twitter and everything and so on. Um, where they're making soy faces with the West and the Chad with you know, the Taliban. But um, I think in the long term, it's going to have a devastating effect. I really do want to basically run off into the woods and start my own little village and just ban internet. Um, yeah, at some point. I'm not even joking. Uh, I've got a 200-page document on how I would do that. Um, wow. it involves the, uh, maxing out the Hasidic Jews would you ever do, release uh, it? No, no, because uh, it involves maxing out all my credit cards, and that's mm. technically fraud, so oh. I can't really but of course, yeah. I'm just taking this joke, guys, 100%. Um, yes. I would never do that in a worst case situation. I respect massive <laughs> international banks so much because they care about me as a person. So, yeah. What the, um, uh, what the Hasidic them. Jews do, by the way, is, uh, well, not all of them, but uh, like the most, the Hasidic out of the Hasidic, you know, the most ultra-Orthodox in Israel, what they do is they have these signs written down the wall that basically warn people, don't go on the internet. I don't know how effective those are, but, you know, they are trying in their own way to uh, just keep people from uh, accessing other information. I don't know, man. Like, it's weird. I understand where you're coming from. I do think that maybe people can find a balance between being able to take on the burden of having additional information and learning to be a lot stricter with oneself on whether you allow the information to affect you in such a way as to be led by that information as opposed to being stronger. Oh, of course, yeah. It's like, for example, pretend I was Epstein pilled and I locked you in the basement or something, um, and I surrounded you by <laughs> salads or jelly beans, right? And then I said, oh, you can only eat the salads, you know, and you're going to be here for a few years. <laughs> 
you're going to eat the jelly beans eventually, right? Because you're going to be sick of the salad and you want some variety. It's tempting because it's right, it's right there. You know, it's it's in front of you. It's it's in, it's in reach. It's very easy to get. Like all things on the internet and all things nowadays, and that's the issue with modern society. You have so many temptations in front of you, but if you grew up in an Amish home, you would be surrounded by basically, um, you know, no real temptations. You would encourage one another. Um, I'm not saying go as far as a cult, but you know, I don't like the whole temptation of the internet and it being there. That's why every 11-year-old became a, uh, you know, a uh, adult video um, addict and so on. Everyone knows it's bad. Everyone knows you shouldn't be watching that stuff. You know, some are delusional. I actually think it's you know, normal, but uh, it's really not, basically. And, you know, the modern society has kind of exemplified all the good and the bad in humanity. And most of the time, of course, we don't know what's good for ourselves because, you know, sex was good you know a hundred thousand years ago for reproduction now people have uh vr videos where they have five different goals and some sort of gyrating thing that goes on a certain other thing so uh yeah people are just manipulating their own biology is there to basically ruin themselves so yeah screw modern technology is there also something you would say to the idea of understanding bad understanding what it means to you know what what evil means so that if you understand that and then overcome it, it's different than being completely innocent of knowing anything bad at all. Because that seems to be not somebody that's had as much experience and then being able to differentiate between the two. Uh, so I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Oh, of course, yes. But at the same time, you always it comes to the question, where do you draw the border? Because do you suddenly commit you know, mass uh, mass and then go oh now i know bombing is uh <laughs> oh, that's a word yeah um, yeah well i guess it's, do, that, do that's know. different yeah, that's uh, it reminds <laughs> me of that uh, quote uh, by jesus christ having to do with uh you know what comes out of your mouth uh, you know being more important than what uh, goes into your mouth meaning i don't know this is at least my interpretation of it that there's all kinds of knowledge out there, there's all kinds of things for people to discover and then consider within themselves. I think what's way more important is the actual acts that people do onto others, that that's something that ends up affecting people in a much bigger way. And so the knowledge of both good and evil, and then deciding between the two, deciding which path you want to go on, I think that there may be something to that. I, I would say originally I came from being a very bad person, as in because I was an atheist who sinned quite a bit. And then I think that did make me a better person. But I only think you should go down that route if you find yourself being self-aware in that kind of evil state originally. Hmm. So you shouldn't go, oh, wow, today I'm going to uh, commit crimes. and then you know, No, 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 but again, go, just to be clear, I'm not yeah, saying... I know what you mean, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying committing crimes. I'm not saying doing bad things. I'm saying understanding what that is, understanding oh, yes. what what evil is. And when I look oh, up yes. when I look up in the sky, I recently moved to much more of a countryside setting, so you can actually see the stars at night. When I look up into the sky and I just see all these stars, and then I just go on the internet, just type in galaxy clusters, and you know I could even do that right now. You know, just type in ga oh. galaxy clusters, and you see something that again, unless this is all stimula stimulation, simula it's both a stimulation and a simulation. Unless this is a simulation, I think that there is something to the idea that a lot of the experiences that we have right now is just the bare minimum of what we may be able to discover and experience throughout if this life experience 
doesn't just stand if just our experience of being oh, yes. you know embodied or disembodied uh, people if this is something that continues on because if i look out into the sky and i see all these galaxies and stars i just can't believe that this is it you know that this experience that we're having right now as great as it is then after this we get old we die and then we either go to heaven or hell and that's it you know not that i'm discounting that there are these higher states like a heaven or like a hell it just seems like there's way more to discover here of what exactly all of this is. So I'm curious if you have uh, any thoughts on there as well. I was going to say originally too, um, I don't know if you can understand evil if you don't actually expose yourself to it to some degree. It's like, um, you know, you can't, sometimes you meet a terrible person, but you can't really describe the immense um, you know, anguish that you feel to someone else when you actually met them and all this other stuff. I, I believe you need to sometimes expose yourself to evil to actually understand it and then understand why it's bad um, or surround yourself by it anyway. But at the same time, too, I, I do believe you need to find a greater meaning in life. But the issue is when you're not in survival mode and, you know, you're comfortable and you get food and all the resources you need at any point, you basically just ponder yourself to death almost. And I think that's the issue with the West. You're not running around. You're not giving into your biology in a good way um you're basically just overthinking yourself and that's why i think most people should join the military because either way you're running and you're getting adrenaline and despite you know you not having a great meaning because you're just a runt in a group most people describe their experience as one of the greatest experience of their lives being in the military and doing some sports and say doing hiking in general or something like that or with me going to afghanistan it's because i gave into my bio my biology and actually just started enjoying myself a little bit um, and not doing things artificial like within the West with drinking and partying. Yeah. Um, you basically, you have to become a little bit head capilled. Do you, do you also <laughs> think that there is a spirit of discovery there that's inherent inside of you where you want to seek out to uncharted territory? Oh, absolutely, yes. I want to go to this place. The reason I picked South Sudan to go to on this Sunday, so in a few days, is because when I go on Google Maps, and I spend hours on Google Maps, admittedly, I get a little, uh, the little button where you can go over and see the street view. And I look at South Sudan, I go, there's nothing there. But on the maps, there is a town, and I can't find a single thing on the internet about it. Not any book yeah. to mention, nothing. But there's people living there. And that's interesting, really fascinating. It's amazing, too, because these people are isolated and they have different cultures. And I just I want to see what life is like there. And maybe if they have issues, I can help, of course. And that's something I really do want to explore. I want to come across things that I've never come across before and see how I react and expose myself to some danger to some degree. Because either way, I think it's worth it. And it's within my tolerance. Um, like, for example, I respect some people's tolerance that they, you know, don't want to go to the deep end of the pool. And my tolerance is I want to go to down to these areas, do some good work and risk only my own life at my own expense. And I don't expect anyone to help me out in that situation uh, unless they really want to. Um, I want to go to these places. I want to explore. I want to, I wouldn't say conquer, but at the same time, I want to leave a mark almost. Um, maybe a flag. <laughs> Maybe a flag and not, you know, anything else. A um, man who become king. <laughs> there was that one meme. Look at these, <laughs> yeah. look, look at these comments. Galactic Reich was his real motive. 
The military is libtarded now. I'd rather join PTR. White Sharia space futurism. Well, I mean, there is archaeo futurism. That is a good book. Mm. But um, there was also no, a comment from Nico over here. So Nico said, oh, yeah. "Left since when is having experiences an objective? That's pointless." So I agree in half. Because there is this whole usage of the word experiences, like somebody saying, like, I'm going to go find myself, I'm going to have an experience, you know, like all of that stuff. But there is also the idea of gaining understanding, gaining understanding of what exactly is going on, because there are people who aren't satisfied with just living in a village, with just doing things the way that it's been done. There are people who want to find out what exactly is going on, you know, in, inside of our bodies. What's going on, you know, out in space. What's going on in these fragments uh, that I'm looking at right now. Digging deeper, you know, smaller and bigger at the same time. And there, I think there is this tendency that human beings have to want to discover, to want to gain that kind of wisdom of how exactly all this stuff works. I don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, particularly. So where would you personally square away that kind of tendency? Because that was also a desire. But where would you square away that kind of tendency and, let's say, the at least how I personally interpret uh, the quality of godliness, I would interpret it personally as the state of wanting to give for the sake of giving instead of giving for the sake of receiving. So that's my oh, yeah. personal interpretation of that. But uh, how would you... Where would you place those two objectives, I guess you could say? The first one I mentioned about the discovery and the second one about the giving. <coughs> well, I think you have to have... <coughs> Sorry, I'm dying a little bit. If I die before South Carolina... Oh, no. Wait, do you, do you have the... Uh, from a common cold. Yeah. It's just the common cold. But, um, it's, not the, uh, it's not the, you know what, it's not the Backstreet Boys World Tour. Oh no, that that whole thing isn't real. Anyway, it's all style. Oh, okay. But, uh, anyway, yes, yes. Yeah, the Backstreet Boys yes. are not real. They they're they're holograms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you could so, say it on YouTube, but, but just you can't do it all the time. That's like, you know what I mean? Like halfway in the conversation. Anyways, go ahead. Please go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yes, I think you can't have discovery without charity or giving to some degree or helping. So you need to discover things first and. A lot of things you will discover, people will be happy and completely normal. Uh, you know, they won't need anything, but you'll always come across someone who does need some help. If I go out in my street right now, I won't see anyone for a good few miles. But then after discovering a new little turn, maybe I might come across something that someone's overlooked. And then I can go there and help out. It's same with the UN in South Sudan. Uh, they're in the main areas, but from areas I'm going to haven't been touched for thousands of years in some districts. And I might come across some people that are very friendly and inviting. Maybe they won't you know, kill me and skin me alive instantly. Um, maybe they'll invite me in. They'll have little food, but they'll give me something. And then I'll pull out a bunch of protein bars and <laughs> help them out a little bit. Um, I think <coughs> I think you, if you're doing some discovering, you've got to give back a little bit too. You've got to help people out. Um, because if you're discovering you want to find yourself in that predicament in their world and to find yourself in their world you've got to get involved and then you've got to deal with their politics and their struggles and their you know their wars almost not literally but um, you know you can't have one without the other and you've got to help out a ton I mean you have the capacity to do it and when you're discovering things you only discover things once and most likely I'm only going to go to these countries once uh, not with Afghanistan, but I'm going back someday. But, um, mm. you know, when you're doing that, you might as well do a bloody good job straight away. 
Well, would you say that uh, there may have been a similar mentality to the your ancestors, let's say in the, the British Empire, who went to the places yes. and uh, they may have had a similar experience going there, meeting the natives, but then you know what? Why don't we build a school? Or why don't we build a railroad? Or, you know, and from there, it just kind of started elevating. So how do you balance out? Because, uh, again, you were talking before about wanting to more or less leave places how they are. How would you, what would be a good balance for you of doing uh, good service and helping people out while at the same time not creating a situation where now they're dealing with other things, which, again, people could argue whether that's good or bad, you know, depending on how you see, uh, you know, civilization, culture, but uh, where would be the right balance for you there? Well, I would say it's to ensure, to help them ensure the rights of self-sustainability. So, for example, the UN or these other uh, NGOs or anything like that go to these um, go to these countries and they basically give them Western food and Western clothes and so on and influence the culture, which I don't agree with because they're keeping them on life support. They're not giving them the means to actually produce their own livelihood. Same with Afghanistan. They would you know, give them food and everything and give them you know a rapid version of Islam. Um, but at the same time, they wouldn't give them the tools to build their own civilizations and continue on their path. So if I was to go there, I'm not going to go um, and basically, you know, give them tons of you know soy food and everything. Hmm. I'm basically going to go there and go, you know, if you're starving, here's some food and here's some money to basically buy the equipment you need to actually, you know, collect rainwater to drink or, you know, to uh, maybe start uh, a farm or something. So I print off some um some basically some uh text and some diagrams that would work in south sudan basically you know they, if they could read it they'll be able to read it but if not they could probably follow the diagrams and you know they can get these basic tools and then from there actually like do some basic farming because south sudan very good with uh it, it has very good arable lands but at the same time loads of people aren't farming because they're being kept topped up by the un with free food and that comes and goes you know so I'm going to give them for means of production almost. I'm not a communist, but I think that's kind of fitting at this point. Absolutely. No, I think that's a, that's a great way to go about this. And uh, I want to ask you about uh, Sudan, This well, specifically the Sudan-Egyptian border area. So what exactly is the history of this, <laughs> uh, of this border area? And uh, what are you specifically planning to... So you said that you want to make a village there and you want to... Oh, yes. Yeah, so give us uh, the skin on what exactly is going on there. Yes, so for the people at home, there's two countries. There's Sudan and then there's South Sudan. South Sudan is the one I'm going to. It's like a little uh, new, newest country of the world. I'm going to go walking there and basically shitposting real life and help you out, stuff like that, basically. Fine balance. But then the difference between uh, Sudan, Sudan's a, pro- a very Muslim country and so is Egypt to some degree. And when the British divided the line and drew the borders, basically, they went back and corrected it a few years later and basically said, oh, we've got this one patch of land and this other patch of land. Uh, one side can have one patch of land and one side can have the other. You just you decide amongst yourselves. And they basically just left, which I think is hilarious to some degree. But they all want this one patch of land that basically has uh, you know, loads of oil and has a sea border and all this other stuff. It's great. But then the... One piece of land no one wants is birds real. And, you know, because it's just a desert, it's dry. So no one lays claim to it. So it's the last piece of land in the entire world that's habitable and no one's claimed. Wow. Now, some people have gone there and stuck up a flag and went, oh, this is mine. But to be recognized by the UN or 
by other governments anyway. You need to have a permanent population and some sort of economy. Now, if I went there and brought enough equipment, let's say, um, you know, some sort of water collection system, and uh, then put a small little shack in there, you know, not a shack, but you know, I built something basically. I built a house, a very small house, but you know, sustainable. And then I lay out some sort of map. And I have solar panels, and I have uh, Starnet for internet, and I live Starlink. there for three months. Yeah, the Elon Musk internet. It's Starlink, my bad. Yes, uh, not Starnet. Um, you should get in touch yes, with I'm Elon Musk, Skynet, by the way. actually. Well, I mean, that's, uh, we'll see. I need to get Get to come. I mean, you could probably get in touch with Elon <laughs> Musk. I mean, you're a pretty famous I guy as far as, yeah. I will try. I think with South Sudan and then my other trip after that, uh, I can't reveal it, but... Let's say it's going to be bigger than Afghanistan, to put it lightly. <laughs> um, but when I do all that, I think I should have everyone's attention. And when I have that, I can really get down to work then. Uh, but yeah, I do want to have internet there. I want to have you know, a little greenhouse set up. And it's going to be very hard to do, don't get me wrong. I've done a lot of research, you know, uh, a good point fifty mm. hours of you know, writing up stuff and researching and looking at papers. But could, could we take a I guess right now a... of where, where you're going? Like the chat yeah. and Geo and myself. Let's see if we can guess. So Well, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Okay. So think of my motivations as a Christian and a Catholic. And let's say I want to help out people who have been in bad recent situations and the country I've been to. You know, maybe I've got unfinished business somewhere, stuff like that. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Unfinished business. Well, you were in Afghanistan before, so that could be unfinished business going back into Afghanistan with the Taliban's there. That may be one thing, but uh, maybe North Korea, that could be another. I don't know. Well, well I don't know. The first Afghanistan won. Uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. I would, you know, that's, that would be nice, but you know, that's, I probably shouldn't do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I wouldn't go back anytime soon anyway. Um, and then with North Korea, I don't like it because there's there's tours, basically. It's very regimented. So if I was going to go to North Korea, it would be on my own terms. And I've got a plan for that anyway. Um, hmm. like a, what, like what, a, what are some of the most dangerous places in the world? I'm just trying to think. London. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I would um, oh actually, yeah, if I was going to go to the most dangerous place in the world, in terms of environment, Antarctica. Like I would just do a dive there. Um, Wait, before you before you die, you know what you should do? You should go to Antarctica and you should try to get into those holes that Nazis created yes. with the UFOs. For hyper, I'll go to hyper. Yes, Agartha, exactly. Agartha. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would go. What I want to do is go to Antarctica, somehow get to one of those, you know, research bases, and just knock on the door in normal clothes. I'm going to take a hide it. I'll just knock on. I'll have like a teapot or something. I'll be like, oh hi. Um, I got a bit lost, and I was on my way to Portugal or something. Um, <laughs> weather's a little bit iffy, isn't it? Can I come in, please? A little bit freezing, and they'll freak out, and I'll just gaslight and film it and, you could, you and could, reveal. You yeah. could say you make make the wrong turn at Albuquerque. You could be the uh, the yeah. Bugs Bunny of uh, of the real world, but uh, yeah. I don't know it is interesting with uh, Admiral Byrd's uh, diary, supposedly if that's not a forgery, but also the supposed uh, newspaper article he did. I think it was in Argentina or was somewhere around that area where he talked about there being this uh, threat of these uh, you know Nazis going into the uh, 
going to the South Pole and they have all this advanced UFO technology and we're all doing... Yeah. And then you had the Foo Fighters around uh, Washington, D.C. over the White House. Before that, even, you had the Battle of Los Angeles, which some people say are the Japanese, and then yeah. others have claimed that it's actually these UFO crafts that were causing all kinds of mischief there. And then we've had subsequent occurrences of various UFOs being spotted in the same shape and description as the former being able to go underwater, that was something that was documented back in the 50s, uh, if not earlier. And now we recently had that Navy footage of that UFO where they were also talking about them going under the water. So, I don't yep. know, there's some weirdness going on there. This is a bit of a tangent, oh, but oh. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on what exactly is going on here? Oh, that was actually all me, but no one believed <laughs> me, you know. Like, I forgot <laughs> to film it all, but that. <laughs> yeah, I do believe... Uh... You know, I, I don't believe, you know, the government's very truthful. And I, I do believe in the whole deep state thing because if, put, put yourself in these people's situations. Pretend you're a complete psychopath, like absolutely the worst person. You know, all you want is power, fame, money, all this stuff. And you get to a certain point where you just have too much money. Like uh, like uh, Bill Bill Gates, What what? you don't need another billion dollars. You know, you, you're fine at this point. So what do you do after that? You, you go for power, basically. And you go to break every rule you can because... That's what exemplifies power breaking normal rules, basically. And then from there, you want to establish control. So, you know, it's good you being in power, but what about your family? Because you care about your people, because you're that narcissistic. So you would establish, say, some sort of means of control over a population or a society or something like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's why you have... Uh, that's why you have lobbyists. That's why you have, mm -hmm. you know, the CIA, the FBI, you know... Um, international banking in general their systems are corrupted to hell and you can see all that stuff so i think these are byproduct these uh sightings that are byproducts of you know secret technologies research these mini projects that these people are doing to secure their futures um in power uh so for example let's say these this ufo technology was probably done by some rich billionaire trillionaire or some crazy scientist or some you know, um, war-hungry general who just wanted to build something to push the limits and see if he could really do it. Um, you know, they have the potential to do terrible things, and I think they just want to push the limits of it and see if they actually could and have the power in their hands um, where they have the capacity to. Well, to quote Tradical, and he, I don't know, he left Twitter, uh, the world makes a lot of sense when you realize that literal demons run it. So that's my belief. Uh, this is a podcast against the Antichrist. And, but, um, I, and I also would definitely put the... Uh, I would put the national, the German National Socialist Party in that category as well. Well, I don't know, Lev, we could debate about no, that. No, see, it's, uh, that's, that, that's, very, <laughs> that, that's very funny how the, them you leave off the hook. That's that's very telling. But uh, anyway... Lev, they were just straight from the outside. That should tell you something. Anyways, um, I wanted to ask you about... Uh, no, Dark they, were, they acted like, they acted like Lev, animals. don't derail me now. They acted don't like animals. this... <laughs> They've acted like animals, yes. yes. Um, Worse than animals, because they actually had an understanding of what they were doing. You know, it wasn't like people who just do wrong without knowing. Well, what's that's wrong. debatable whether the you know what who at the top whether he knew what was going on or not, or rather, anyways. At least, Gio. At least, at least try to be like your like <laughs> you're your, like, me your into... like, like your Italian friend. You're you're not even at that level. You've gotten lower than that. But anyway, what are you talking? What is Italian friend? You know, what are you talking about? Yeah, your moo friend. Moo, oh yeah, moo. yeah, okay. At least he could be like him. Well, I joke, I joke. Anyways, before we discuss the merits of the NSDP, um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about dark tourism because as a man who seeks adventure and thrill like your British ancestors of yore, 
Um, do you think that people, like you, you were talking about how you're doing this ostensibly for charity, but do you feel that there is an element of excitement or uh, sort of lack of intrigue with the sort of mundane, mundane everydayness of life now? The fact that the world is sort of closed off because of the you-know-what for the past two years, uh, that there's just this impending sense of uh, inertia. Do you feel like why people are attracted to going to, I don't know, the, the core in Chernobyl or going to um, people that have gone into North Korea? Like, uh, for example, Metro Small Bugman on Twitter, he went to North Korea. Um, or do you feel like there is some level of, there's a depth within man that wishes to sort of go to the extreme? Like, how would you, like, how would you, describe it in your own in your own words like what what do you oh, get out yeah. of it by doing this? well i think it's like culture to some degree so it's kind of in my blood to go exploring with this type of stuff i don't see yeah. it, it does happen in other cultures that were um, not explorers back in the day like uh, like with india and everything uh, mm. but i do see some the occasional indian man on youtube going to wacky countries and doing some crazy things but it's not as prevalent yeah. with western people so I think it's always a bit of a culture thing and also a mundane thing. Because when you're as comfortable as you are, you know, in the West as any person, um, because life life is easy. Life is easy in the West. You can work a nine to five job and mm. basically save up two million by the time you're fifty if you really aren't materialistic and so on, um, from investing and so yeah, all that stuff. So I think after yeah. a while you just wanna you wanna roll the dice a little bit and you know, if you die you don't exactly know it. If you go there and do something good, you die enjoying yourself and you know doing something noble i think there's a chance what it's it comes down to a question actually would you rather just live in safety all your life for 90 years or would you rather live a very exciting uh life for 45 years i would definitely pick 45 because otherwise i'd be miserable yeah exactly i think that and, and also like it seems that um people are encouraged i guess to just uh Oh God! No. Sorry, my cat is trying to pull out my webcam cord. Um, Go to the cats. Bring up the cats. Uh, I'm trying to grab her, but she's uh, Gertrude. She doesn't like. Uh, she'll like lay on your arm for like an hour till it's numb. But she uh, she likes it when you pet her. But not. Let me try to grab her. Actually, but no, it, it does seem that. Um, oh, there you are, Gertrude. There you are. Aww. <laughs> oh, she's a cute one. Oh Aww. yeah, she's a rent of the litter. <laughs> But uh, my other my other cat Hildy's bigger, um, but no, it it does seem that um, the this sort of inner impulse, um, a lot of people have talked about it, you know, a lot of wise men. Um, I'm not going to mention the meme philosopher, you know, the speaking of Italians, <laughs> speaking of Italians, um, but I, I I do feel that it's in a sense travel itself. There was this great thread once I was reading, uh, where travel itself has become degraded. It's become another sort of bourgeois commodity it's become you know the british like or you're neck of the woods here in canada we go to florida in in, in britain i guess you go to india or bali or wherever um mm. it yeah. seems that travel has become a very like safe placid escapism whereas travel before was sort of a noble goal of the aristocratic mm. classes like the uh, the great tour that's what it was called great tour right? yes that's a good exactly, one yes and i because, feel like um, like, what is the British attitude towards travel nowadays? I mean, of course, there's everyone's oh, in lockdown. It's, it's, or 
it's so cringe. It's like uh, cringe. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you take your uh, you take your two shots of poison, and then you you go to Spain basically, and you get a lovely tan. Yeah. You lie on the beach. Yeah. It's so hot, and then uh, you go back to your nine to five behind a desk with your uh, you know your boss shouting down on you, and then you repeat that for mm. seventy years until you're dead. Um, <laughs> with uh, with me, I kind of think you know what it's the same as exercising. What you exercise. At the same time, it's suffering. It's not enjoyable. Most of the time, exercise, especially running when you first start out, it's it's terrible. It feels yeah. bad. You know, your um, your heart's beating and everything, but you still do it because afterwards you realize it's good for yourself, and you find out something about yourself, and you basically get clearer head and get new ideas to some degree. You know, expand your mind almost. Exercise does same thing with traveling. Um, instead of it being some sort of you know. Uh, fast food addiction like like traveling Spain going on adventures and walking through wilderness and having very insecure moments where you feel vulnerable and confused and you know don't have any security that's enriching almost and I feel like loads of people don't understand the idea that safety is not always a good thing um, you know the best people I've ever met are people higher up in the military and I've met a lot of them because of this experience and they've basically had guns pointed at them. You know, they've had mm. bullets shot into their shoulders and so on. But they're the most lighthearted, funny people ever. But the people who are clearly safe in their little hidey hole of society are offended by everything. I feel like you need to uh, expand your mind a little bit and pop down to one of these countries, but always prepare. There well, you go. Before, before I pop into one of those countries, I'm getting as close as an experience, virtually speaking, by doing Break the Rules, because since I'm living in New York City, I'm around, you know, I'm the uh, chair of the uh, Art and Technology Committee at the National Arts Club, which is this, you know, very high society uh, place in uh, New York City, in Manhattan. And uh, one of the people who were uh, receiving an award there from uh, my committee was actually Neil deGrasse Tyson, because you mentioned uh, him uh, earlier. Uh, so you, you can imagine, like the kind of uh, the kind of place <laughs> th- th- this is. But but I did, oh. But at the same time, but at the same time, the great Lev thing, knows multiple people who have been on the flight logs. By the way, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, uh, at the same time, it's been um, a very interesting experience because our committee also brings in people like Graham Hancock, for instance. Who are you familiar with, Graham Hancock? Briefly, yes. I haven't met him personally. Well, you're in England, so maybe we can arrange that. Uh, but uh, he it talks. Would yeah, it would definitely. Yeah, I would love to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he um, also Rupert Sheldrake. That's another uh, person who lives around London, I believe. And he talks about. I invited him to the NAC. He went there. It was a great, uh, great time. And he talks a lot about morphic resonance. He basically talks about a lot of the spiritual aspects of life. And he's a Christian himself as well. He even went to India and went to a. Uh, kind of like it was it was a christian but it was like a indian version of christianity as it were a um a retreat it's not a retreat it's like a like a temple but it's like a temple where people meditate but it's not uh buddhist it's not hindu it's specifically christian interesting okay so uh, I'll I'll connect the two of you later. I think you'll uh, get along really well. But anyway, <laughs> the point that I'm getting to here is that in New York in the belly of the beast here still we can actually bring in people who think outside the uh uh the black cube of saturn and are able to infuse certain ideas into uh the world that i think are needed and i am hearing from people who i know that uh, yes like all this cancel culture stuff it's gotten too far and you know everybody's going nuts and uh 
people are still afraid. They're still afraid of speaking out, but I think slowly, and uh, I know Gio would disagree with me, but I do think that people like Barry Weiss, for instance, and people who are part of organizations like FAIR, they're the ones who are actually doing something about it. They're the ones who are actually freeing up a lot of the fence-sitting people, especially because their whole issue is uh, dealing with the kids not being indoctrinated with critical race theory in schools. Like, that's their whole big thing in New York City. And so they're talking with a lot of uh, parents whose kids go to a lot of prestigious schools who don't want their kids to, uh, you know, be brainwashed. So that's, I think, how it starts. So that's, I'm just giving you a little bit of a glimmer of hope for uh, some change to come about. But uh, as far as Graham Hancock, though, last thing before Super Chats I wanted to get to, he talked about this idea of there being a cataclysm, and since you're Christian, you know, you've read your Bible, and uh, you know the whole, you know, the events of the flood and all that. Obviously, if I look at it very critically, I would say, you know, there's so many different species of animals, oh, there we go, there's so many different species of animals on Earth that you're not going to be able to fit all of them in there. So my interpretation of what that was, assuming there were advanced civilizations, because that's what Graham Hancock assumes, assuming there were like, you know, Atlantis and whatever advanced civilizations back there that had a uh, you know very high degree of technology, maybe two by two meant DNA. Maybe they carried the DNA of some of these animals that they later on ended up replicating. Now that's kind of a you know that's kind of looking at it very yes exactly very out there. Yeah. But it does make more sense than literally taking all the species to be carried over there. Just think of the amount of species that exist and that would exist on dry land. So that's at least my version of it. But the other reason why I mentioned the whole survivor thing is I think you may also be going in the footsteps of people who, after the cataclysm. If we assume this is what happened, they ended up coming to places like Egypt, like South America, and they ended up bringing civilization to those places, at least according to the legends of those. Are you saying that Miles is a neo-conquistador? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, conquistador implies conquering, and from what I understand, that's not what they did. From what I understand, they actually went there to spread knowledge and uh, wisdom to the people there to then help the people out. And I think that's something that uh, Miles is doing. And I think using uh, both, uh, you know, uh, the faith that you have with Christianity, as well as just your general kindness of being a kind-hearted human being, if I was to believe in any reality that may have existed back then, then I would assume there would have been people like Quetzalcoatl or whoever, you know, whoever you could say that went to these areas with the same kind-heartedness, because that appears to be the way that the uh, native peoples described these visitors that came there and uh, brought them these various systems that they ended up utilizing. So who knows? Well, when you would look at it, they, they would be viewed as like a, a malevolent force. I mean, these white people coming to your shore, these tall monsters in steel. Um, it's it's very, when you do, like there was that, uh, it's funny how everyone beefs on uh, Mel Gibson in Hollywood, but he he did do one of the more accurate sort of portrayals of that with Apocalyptico. Apocalypto. Apocalypto, sorry, yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. Um, it is no, but that's um, it's funny like how we we view history through such a myopic lens of our own sort of uh, present understanding, right? I mean, you know, this is like a basic point, but it seems that like there really is sort of a what even Graham Han Hancock says there's like a cultural amnesia going on where the history is like actively suppressed or it's seen through this lens of like 
pure evil when you don't really look at the grand sort of scheme of history in Toto. Like it's like the British, for instance. I mean, the from what I've heard, like having a lot of friends in 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 you know uh, the origin of my country in Canada, it seems that there is like this pervasive attempt to absolutely destroy the notion, even the notion of Britishness in through their history, through the education system to the minds of youth. I mean, uh, I don't know what you, what your experience has been miles in terms of oh, yeah, the education you've gotten with your own history, because I mean, if you're like, I hate you know, as much as we beef on Anglos, especially in the, you know, esoteric corners of the internet, uh, far right, we talk about the Anglos did everything to destroy this man. The Anglos brought us liberalism, but it's, it's so like, yeah. Yeah, it's anglophobic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, if, um... but if you're British, you've had, you have this tapestry of being like literally one of, if not the greatest empire in the world. Yeah. And it's I like, actually, yeah. I have, I have complete pride in being British. I'm never going to apologize for it. If someone goes, oh, why don't you renounce your ancestors? I'm like, absolutely not. No, they got me here. I'm very happy for it. You know, obviously everyone screws up. You're human. But at the same time, so is the peep, so is me. I screwed up a few times, mm. like everyone, and you know my future generations are gonna screw up. Well, the, who cares? The, there is also a great quote: "Remember that you are an Englishman and have consequently won first prize in the lottery of life." You know who that's from? No, Cecil Rhodes. I think... Amazing. <laughs> <Good stuff>. <laughs> <laughs> no, Cecil oh. Rhodes was a New World Order glowy. So that's. Uh, but no, but what has your been experienced though with um, the British education system? Uh, yeah. Is it is just as abysmal as people on uh, 4chan say it is? Or <coughs> I think my education was a little bit better, but it seems a little bit soulless. You know, it was just kind of a. It was like, oh, you know, we, we were once like an empire, and then we, we did some really bad stuff, and we should be ashamed of it. And then now, now everything's better because like we have less influence. I'm like. No, I miss the influence. It was great having some <laughs> having some influence of the world. You know, the whole point of the world is to leave your mark to some degree. That's why I'm doing an interview uh, to raise some awareness, do some good, leave a good mark. Um, and at the same time, there's no pride in being British. It was almost fearful uh, to mm. say this type of stuff, you know, mm. because people don't understand that sometimes nationalism can be a good thing to some extent. Um, you know, you have to have some pride in your culture, but <coughs> at the same time. The culture had been destroyed in Britain most of the time, so you know the whole identity has been um, replaced with consumerism and basically just cringe Western things in general. You know, um, <laughs> through globalization, so no one has anything to be proud of in general. But when I went to Afghanistan, flags were everywhere, people were parading round, people ironed their uniforms very well. That's why you've got some of pride of the military because it is actually that sentiment that's upheld. But in the everyday public, absolutely not. When I look on Google Maps in Syria, there's flags everywhere and people waving Syrian flags. In the UK, if you do that, some skinny soy boy libtard cut will just punch you and then you'll just, you know, deck they, them. But, they have the Syrian yeah. flag in the handle. They wear the, the what's it called? I keep forgetting they the also, name. Well, they also, have the Palestinian, the they also have the Palestinian flag in the handle. Don't forget that. Oh, you know? yeah. that yes. Yeah. They have oh, yes. the, the, the scarf. It's the kafaya, I think. Is that so, what it's Something called? like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, no, but it's it's really weird this sort of uh, communist third worldism that uh, it's it's like you know. But um, it's fun. It's funny though. Another question now that I'm thinking of the the sort of British system. Um, do you fear 
the sort of a persecution that would come about from the various hate speech laws in Britain. There, I know people have, um, Redditors have absolutely like lied and slandered you. They say that you're a member of the BMP and uh, all I this crap. Know what BMP is. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I know. Wait, what is BMP? Uh, what is BMP? Because the I, British I, National Party, the Mark Collette. Mm. I think he was involved in that. I but no, like I can't have no party. Yeah, oh, <laughs> these people are pathetic because they're so they have no identity. So they try and categorize things into little groups so they can feel yeah. more secure about their own ideals. They can't stand yeah. out. No, but that's what they do. That's what they do with their own groups as well. That's why they have all the hashtags and the pronouns and all that because that is. And again, if you feel a certain way, I'm not going to hold it against you. But to push that off as this is who I am, this is my identity. There's a lacking there. At least I feel like yeah. the identity should be based more on what you do, as opposed to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and also, uh, what 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 is your general background? Because you you tend to have a higher accent, but um, but do you would you say you come from the working class or the middle class or oh, middle below, yeah. way below? So oh, what so... happened? So. I'm going to be straight up with you guys. I saw a ton of comments going, oh, rich kid in Afghanistan. I was laughing my ass off. That. Yeah, I was going to say rich kid in yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up on benefits, basically, which is the equivalent of welfare with you guys. Yeah. My parents never had a job. Yeah, never had a job. Single mother, too. So never had a dad to IVF. We literally had so little money. We would go into these bins in a store called Iceland, like, uh, like Walmart, and we would scourge through the bins with some other homeless people doing the same thing to pick out recently thrown out frozen food because it's still good because it's only one pay one day past its sell by date and we would spend two hours every single tuesday and thursday doing that to get free food and then from the age of 14 onwards i always had a 16 hour part-time job at a hairdresser's whilst i studied and then you know i went through a ton of abuse in my household i always worked i never received any money um you know, often I would go without foods, uh, you know, physical and mental abuse, very bad stuff. So at the end of the day, I am definitely not rich by any means. I am not contacting my family. So I would say right now I'm working class as myself. But with my accent, it's only a good accent because I realized at 14 years old, if I sound like this, you know, I sound like I'm going to stab someone and no one's going to hire me. So I'm not putting I'm going to shank you, mate. Yeah. Oh, you me fucking slam you so I don't want to be back. But like, I don't, I'm not putting on this voice now, but at 12 years old, I thought, you know, I'm going to surround myself with decent people and, you know, try and refine my accents. And it got to the point after one year that I actually changed my accent on my own. So I don't end up working at chip shop because I sell my like goose. But I wouldn't have got I wouldn't have got into investment banking if I walked in going, Oh bloody old mate, your uh, your your, your uh, investment has gone up nine point one two percent, which is the S P five hundred average. And if I say that it's possible, it sounds so sophisticated. Um yeah. you know, I had to do, I had to change myself. So no, I'm not posh in any single way. I just know how to behave as a decent mm. human person. And uh, if you offended, I changed my accent. Um, yeah, Wait, where, I don't where, care. where in England are you living right now? You, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, Loughborough. It's uh, it's north of Leicester and south of Nottingham. So it's kind of dead center if you get England on a map and just mm. put a pin on mm. there. Oh, it, my, yeah, my, uh, my good friend Matthew, Matthew the Stout on Twitter, um, another ma amazing fellow artist, he lives in... Um, Cryden, I think he lives in Cryden. Yeah. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that, that's funny you mentioned that because in, in a way, 
I think your story is reflective of so many different um, sort of issues and epochs within Britain itself, both contemporary and also within, I would say, the 20th century. It, it, it's really crazy. Um, it almost is, it goes to like that recent um, Adam Curtis documentary, although he gets a lot of points wrong, mm. uh, how the British of the post-Empire period is sort of like this very demure and defeated people who want to like maintain their sense of their past. But at the same time, the new Britain has left a lot of people behind. Like imagine this, a good British son being left to poverty, to the welfare state, but to rise above that and to do something that I would say is noble and heroic to experience the world. I mean, that's to me, that was sort of the classic story of Britannia. But now yeah. it seems that people, uh, that, like, like uh, I think when they look at you and they look at your accent, they think, you know, like you yeah. said, a stompy British kid. Like, th- but the reality yeah. of it is, betri- is actually more of the spirit of what Britain was than anything else. Like, you know. No, I completely agree. I mean, I can yeah. understand where they were coming from, though, because, you know, the media said it, and I, I guess fair enough, it's an easy scapegoat. But you're right, the truth is a lot more complicated. And at the same time, I don't really care if I die in South Sudan because if I die doing a good thing, I don't care if the ETM mocks me because if I'm from heaven, if I'm in heaven because I did some good stuff looking down upon the world, I think I've inspired at least a few people to basically do the same things as me, do some charity work, and I've helped some people already. That's all I care about. Amazing. Yeah, I, I just don't really care. You know, if my body's on live loop once again, I think that'll be funny in heaven. Post the, um, post the, uh, what's it called the. Um, Rest in piss, you will not be missed. Press has to spit. Well, um, I, I, I think they should have a good internet, good Wi-Fi there in heaven, right? Well, I have, I actually have <laughs> good Wi-Fi. <laughs> Apparently, you have a live stream to hell, according to Dante, in heaven. So 24 hours, you can see the damned suffer. Um, anyways. Oh, yeah. you, can look on, you can look upon the earth. Yeah, I think, yeah, that is, yeah. Yeah. That's why in a lot of different Aww, um, experiences, oh yeah, Gertrude, she's all over the place. Um, I have a surprise for you. I think we're wrapping Ooh. up because it's about and then, and then super chats. But uh, and then su- yeah. before super chats, let me send it. So me and Lev are both artists. He's an animator. I'm a fine artist, um, and I'm I'm getting a bit better into portraiture. Um, I I did this of you. Um, and I will share it on Twitter after, so if you could retweet oh, wait, uh, it all. Uh, Geo, post it in the After Hours chat. I accidentally uh, have After Hours chat as the default chat, not BTR chat. Oh, okay. Yeah. After Hours yeah, yeah, accidentally, yeah. okay. Post it right so, here. Um, so I will, I will add you on Twitter as well. In a, well, I don't think you have an Instagram. But it's, it's a, here we go. I did this of you recently. I call it uh, Miles of Arabia. So oh, is it loading? It's loading. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, go. look at that. <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh yeah. mate, thank you. Oh yeah. man, that's taking hours. That's stunning. Uh, I had, I had well, some help from Matthews while he gave me some <laughs> corrections. Like the nose had to do a bit more work on it. But uh, no, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I liked it. how it turned yeah. out. It didn't take too long. But no, um, that's it, that's, that's charcoal and white charcoal. So. Yeah. Wait, you gave me a nice jawline. You gave me a non-receiving hairline. I do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. I, I'm glad you like it. Um, but I, I, I wanted to put the Kiffa scarf on you. I thought that was fitting. Um, it, yeah. it spiced it up a bit. Mm. So, and um, actually, I believe in Islam there is a hat similar to the Santa hat that some of the imams wear. 
You know the one I'm talking about? It's kind of it's like not the goofy, yeah, yeah. the um, the, yeah. the other one. Yeah, I saw I saw it on Memory TV, so I have to take a look at. it. <laughs> I want to go on that show someday so bad. Oh, you think you probably go? Well, yeah. No, it's not a show. Okay, so what yeah. Memory TV it's is? It's a network. No, 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 no. Memory TV is just a compilation of various uh, Muslim shows from Egypt, from oh, wherever. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's not a... <laughs> it's oh. a lot of... But they have, like, similar people that go on. Like, um, as God is my witness, I'll give you a million beatings. Like, that was... Gonna... Oh, man. And there's one guy who kind of looks like George W. Bush. Do you know who I'm talking about? One of the, uh, one of the imams oh, yeah. here. Right? He kind of looks like him. Let me see if I can find him. But I am going to be wrapping it up with the super chats right now. So I'm going to be looking at a couple of things. But here are the super chats. We got a lot of super chats today. Thank you guys so much for uh, doing this. This is going to help BTR grow exponentially. So here we go. And also, patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron today. And you are going to get beautiful stuff, including uh, magnets. So if you want a magnet... I don't know. Part of me wants to always say, if you want to get like a magnet of the head of our uh, guest today, so like with the Santa hat and stuff like that, but that really depends on, uh, you know, certain circumstances. But anyway, let me show you the magnet right now. So if you become a $20 patron, you are going to get a beautiful magnet designed by my uh, father, Alexander Polyakov here. Let me show you the... Uh, original magnet for the $20 so these are going to be random so these are going to be random magnets that you can get made out of high quality wood here you see like maple mahogany ashwood cherry so this moth over here this is for all the Brittany Venti fans out there so my father is an amazing artist and uh, when you get a when you get a thirty dollar patronage, you are going to get a very beautiful print from Giovanni Penichetti right here. Let me load up that uh, print as well, so you guys could all see that in action. Here it is, I believe. This is the Patreon print that MP4. There we go. Okay, hold on. Let me scroll down. Here it is. There you go. So here you can see uh, Geo in action, making this beautiful print from the TFW No GF series. Watch him go. And it is done. That's sped up, by the way. That is no, no, it's not. That's how fast you. No, it's the real is. speed. Sorry, yeah, well, I'm okay, Fabe, okay, Fabe. <laughs> I think I'll slow down, actually. Mm. And uh, and lastly, but not leastly, for a fifty dollar. Oh, and I completely forgot to mention for the regular patronage, <laughs> you are going to get um, a lot of good stuff. You are going to get access to the uh, audio of the episodes after it comes out. You also get twenty five percent off an astral. An astrology reading from uh, my main man, Michael Scotto, uh, who we're going to have another astrology stream hopefully very soon. And I still have to follow up, by the way, for the people who are watching this to do the extra stream. But anyway, you're also going to get, uh, let's see, uh, what are you also going to get? You're also going to get access to the um, secret parts of the Discord. We're going to have Patreon-only streams coming up uh, once again soon. Uh, we're going to do some after hours as well. So, a lot of good stuff, but finally, you are going to get, for the $50 patronage, you are going to get the um, custom magnet. So, whatever design of a magnet you want to get, that is what you're going to get. And here is an example of the dragon magnet that my father... Not a magnet, this is actually just like a full piece that my father made in honor of Stix Hexenhammer 666, who's going to be on tomorrow, 3 p.m., with none other than Mike Cernovich. Uh, and uh, health nut as well. 
So look out for that. That's going to be a very interesting episode. We're going to be talking about plant medicine, ayahuasca, uh, metaphysical stuff. So uh, as somebody said, it's going to be a very Gnostic episode for uh, those who are like... Oh, great. Not another one of those. <laughs> Not another one of those. Oh. Ah, there's, look, there's nothing wrong with trying to discover what all of this is about. Every, you know, Everybody's got a different path. Anyway, these are all the things that you're going to get as a patron. And now, finally, we're going to go on to the Super Chats. So... Super Iron Bob, $5. When you drop a drop of water into your vodka, you don't notice it. When you cut your vodka with an equal amount of water, you get shite vodka. So true. There we are. Yeah. And so true, so true. Let's get to a post very <laughs> And another one from Super Iron Bob, who is, by the way, a $50 patron. Uh, another super chat from Super Iron Bob, $5. Lev is our local anarcho russo for the russians thank you very much uh, super iron bob yes yeah, so uh miles just so you understand my whole thing here on btr yeah. is i'm trying to deprogram all the people who have been psyop by the russian government that's uh that's the main thing that i do here yes so. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned vodka so i assumed he was russian yes exactly <laughs> well love is this agent of a certain other intelligence agency so Oh Lord Geo. Okay, next. Mossad. Oh, next. did I say more that? Like, no, more okay. like more like ma happy. Anyway, <laughs> Mossad. Ma oh my! You and the puns. That's terrible. Uh, That's next. Terrible. Uh, okay, we got um Alex Redmond, four ninety nine euros. Richard Hanenia posted documentation so showing that the U.S. Army tried to impose a soy-based diet on Afghans in his pin thread. I'm gonna have to check that out. That's, uh... Well, it's like how the Israelis in Ramallah during the Intifada they posted they uh, took over the TV stations and they posted nonstop porn over the TV stations. That's a true story. E. Michael Jones was famous for uh, in that interview talking about it for in Libido Dominandi. Um, so that 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 is again, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the uh, the the sort of uh, coalition forces to like give them a diet of pure soy i don't know that's kind of uh yeah that that i wouldn't put it past them put it that way and next we got twenty dollars from super iron bob once again super iron bob knocking it out of the park today uh so super iron bob says spiritual hygiene is necessary armor to the cognito info hazards of reality and contemplation of deep ideas these were limited to the ascetics of old now the internet shows to all how do we educate a public to survive this? Yeah, I mean, that was the point that I was bringing up earlier. How do we navigate this uh, this whole terrain? I just think there's so much so much out there, so many questions out there as far as what exactly this is all about. It's difficult for people to just settle on a particular way, you know, because one person says this, another person says that. So I don't know, like, what's a good way of navigating a lot of this uh, uh, knowledge, you'd say, Miles? I would just say keep yourself busy. Pick something and go with it. I mean, if you don't like it, move on to the next thing. Like, uh, for example, I've got a book deal. I may have a movie deal uh, or documentary yeah. deal, sorry. Yeah, yeah, spoilers. Uh, then I've got several other trips. I'm working a job. I'm doing several other things at the same time. People want to meet with me all the time. I'm not bragging, but at the same time, it means... I'm constantly running around, so I don't usually have time to stop and get depressed. Like, for example, if I stay in my room for 48 hours doing nothing, it's nice to relax for a day, but after two days, I just want to, you know, jump out of the building. Um, I actually want to, you know, have purpose and mm. 
have drive to do something. When you were, um, when we were cavemen, we would always have something small to do, and then we would only have a small amount of downtime to recover. Same thing should lay here. It, don't expose yourself to too much pleasure. Introduce small hardships like cold showers and so on. Oh, I love cold showers. Up. Same, yeah. same, absolutely. Kids never been better. And then um, you slowly build up greater and greater things, basically. So start small, punish yourself, realize it's good overall for yourself and build, build a discipline. And then you can seek that knowledge that way absolutely. for experiences. And mm. it does bring satisfaction for me personally, though, doing the uh, cold showers and also doing the breathing techniques. Uh, sta starts the whole kundalini process in the back which the hindus uh talk about and uh you know the third eye thing and all that so it's interesting that's kind of what i mean by seeing what other paths are out there again formation because there is uh, and i know that there is this term prelist people say like for false uh deification or whatever uh you know just for a false sense of uh what it means to have godhood but it is still quite something when you sit down close your eyes and see a cross in front of you you know there is something when you look at like the paintings and various depictions of how people saw the stuff i think that there is some communication apparatus inside of our bodies where we can access certain things of that nature yeah i get that i think it's i think there's other spiritual senses that science hasn't really figured out and never actually will because if you quantify it you kill it really yeah, yeah, I guess uh, I guess you can, although people have been trying. There was, uh, I don't want to go on a tangent, I do have to finish off the Super Chats, but real quick, there was a video I saw recently about how uh, the people who were in a, uh, a near-death experience situation, who were even in the hospital, how they said that they were actually very, very lucid and they felt very free during the time when they were officially counted as dead officially when the amount of brain activity that was going on would be way too little for any kind of cognition, let alone this very intense cognition that they described having uh, existing, you know? So in that, oh, yeah. yeah. And in that way... Maybe it's just some... Yeah. Well, Maybe it's just some... It could be just some stoner doctor kind of sneaky magic mushrooms. <laughs> they tried that back funny. in the day. Yeah. The, uh, the new atheist with like the God helmet thing. That was like a big yeah. piss off. But, um, mm. but yeah, we'll continue with the super chat. By, by, so. the, by the way, to Nico, who was saying that I'm not asking the right questions. Look, the only thing that I could do is help out my family, help out my grandma, uh, you know, do the best that I can there. And then all the other stuff that I focus on, let's see what happens from there. You know, there's. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people who like preaching, who like talking about, you know, what it means to do good. But uh, do more and say less. That, that That's what I say. And as far as any of the curiosity about what's out there, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, seeking it out. Anyway, King Salmonfish, $5. Okay, but if the political discourse of the vast majority is nationalism and socialism as a whole, then what is that? And when everything fa uh, fails, romance... King Salmonfish is a very interesting dude. There's a video he did about China talking about how because they have a, a, a small wee wee, that's why they're never going to become a strong <laughs> power. So, I, <laughs> so <laughs> Well, they're um, the Han peasantry that was conquered by the noble steppe peoples. So, Does that mean Africa is uh, very developed since uh, pretty much Utopia then? 
<laughs> and we have another we have another quote for no because yeah. that's the other way you got to have a penis that's just the right size in order to have a high yeah. civilization no, it's too big no 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 geo geo yeah, geo first of all first of all the nigerians the nigerians are kicking the nigerians are kicking the ass of so many people education wise in the united states and I'm sure that there's no problem going on there uh, in the uh, bed department either. From I mean, I can't say. I assume there wouldn't be any problem either well, way. Well, isn't Nigeria experiencing a financial turmoil right now? Or I'm not speaking about Nigeria. I'm speaking about Nigerian migrants to the United oh, States. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're doing amazingly educational-wise. So that is why, again, like people have various assumptions about this and that. But as long as you can attain... A certain level of whether it's civilization education i don't give a shit i don't give a shit where you're from as long as that is able to be attained as long as you raise kids in the kind of way that i would want my kids to hang out with your kids in the future then what do i care that's i think the, the important thing and anything else is just stupid and just creates unneeded tension like why do you want to make a fifth column of people who feel like they don't have any uh, any dignity that you rob their dignity by basically saying that because you happen to be this color of skin or because your genetics happen to include people that we find problematic, then we're going to explicitly deem you a certain way uh, from here on in. It's just the stupidest thing in the world. But anyway, uh, one last thing from uh, King Salmonfish. Oh, man, we got a couple more. So Love, That's self-preservation talking right there. Uh, Geo, I mean, you're, you're you're here on the stream and you're supporting people who would have uh, you know who would have annihilated me. I, no, I they listen, I listen. This. I believe. What did what did a Spencer say? It'll be peaceful, ethnic. No, It'll be. Peaceful. I don't understand it. I'm I'm right here. Love love is right here. And it's, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, super. Okay, another another king salmon fish. Five dollars. I just wanted to give you more money. Cute cat geo Christianity trumps whatever Lev said. Redeem, <laughs> redeem the high cringe brother. Ah, well, I appreciate that. Uh, anyway, Super Iron Bob, five dollars. Don't, don't defame and denounce your ancestors. They're the ones who made you great. Now denouncing your contemporary countrymen, probably for the best. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So next one we have the ABC one two three four five six three nine nine donated two dollars <coughs> BTR against the Antichrist yes uh, Nico five ARS which is uh, fake money which is uh, Argentinian dollars so let's see Argentina <laughs> fake money <laughs> let's see I'm gonna do uh... a ARS fifty two uh, USD let's see how that is I'm not gonna be like Stefan well it's it's 0 0.45 United States dollars, which I appreciate. I appreciate the 45 cents. Thank you very much for that. I'm not going to be like you-know-who. Uh, anyway, uh, he said, <laughs> Geo, no one destroyed fascist ARG from the outside. Their Keynesian economics is crap. Fell in 10 years by spending it all. That's USA's future. Argentina. That's a lie. That's a Bolshevik lie right there. That I was spread like by the guys. Bolsheviks. This, Ar <laughs> this Argentinian guy's grandfather is probably German. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's probably true. Well, well, at least the Falklands should have had the pound, so they would have been saved from. Oh, they would have been saved from their uh, poor uh, Argentinian. Wait, dog. the ABC one two three apparently has uh, <laughs> given other super chats before that. I don't want to. 
I guess they're just not coming in here. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to get to those right at the end. And Super Iron Bob, $5. Miles is rich in spirit, more wealthy than most. I'm pretty retarded, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of retarded. I love you. I love you. I actually have uh, Nico, 50 ARS, Geo. The reason for the anti-natalism is because the progressives are building the EU into their papacy, and to centralize, they need to be rid of nations. Yeah, I don't recognize the EU, like, as a thing. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot of problems going on there. Okay, so finally, let me just go into the uh, chat over here, search for the ABC's name, just so I make sure that... Uh, I get uh, the chat. Okay, we got that one before. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, GameCube. This is not a chat, but I want to read it. GameCube, and then, you know, that sign, which means uh, better, uh, the uh, black uh, mecha cube. Uh, next one over here, we have Catholic and Orthodox just get base. That's another one but ABC. Oh, man, he's been writing a lot here. Okay, listen, I'm trying to find the super chats. I don't know why they didn't go into the system. I tried my best. I don't see them, but I still appreciate the uh, the super chatting. Oh, here, let me try one final thing. If I do do ABC, so, and everybody subscribe, by the way, who's listening to this, I really appreciate all of you. Oh, here we go. Now I found it. Okay. I don't know why these weren't here before, but here they are. So, um, five US dollars, need life. Thank you. And another five US dollars, ask not for a GF, but instead pray for wider shoulders to carry that feel from the down bad memoirs. There we go. That was the... I get that. I like that. That was the last Super Chat mm -hmm. of the day. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. And final thoughts, uh, Miles, I just want to say I really appreciate you being here, speaking with oh, yeah. us. Uh, there are not a lot of people left on Earth like you, and hopefully you're going to inspire a lot of courage and uh, fortitude from uh, people who are uh, watching this. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Tell us about, Thank by you. the way, you're, you're, the, um, the thing you're doing right now with uh, Sudan, there was a link that I posted earlier, and I'm going to post it one more time. It's a fundraiser. I donated to the fundraiser. I hope everybody who's watching this donates to the fundraiser as well. So here is the link to the fundraiser. And it says, hey, all, I'm launching this fundraiser when I'm in South Sudan. Please don't donate. Oh, oh, I see. I should have read it. I trust you. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Well, okay. okay. When he's yeah. in the Sudan, then he's going to. Yeah. So there, there we yeah. go. Uh, okay. So, uh, I want to prove my worth first. This is the well. You've already proven your worth by being on BTR. That's okay. That that that's that, that's, that's why I don't know. <laughs> okay. So so next, uh, this is the big trip we trip we've been speaking about. Read the description. I cannot overhype it. God bless. So there we go. You know what to do. Oh, I posted that in Sushi Bar. My mistake. Let me post it in the right place. Here it is. So yes, everybody. Oh no, I posted it in the wrong place again. Here. Okay. Here it is. Here's your uh, here's your photo and here is the link. So everybody, go there right now. Be sure to follow it. And uh, okay, so before you donate, put that as a bookmark. Donate later, right when you're going in there. But uh, once again, Patreon.com/slash/BreakTheRules. I'm posting that. Donate to Patreon.com/slash/BreakTheRules. Support what we do. We bring a lot of people together. And tomorrow, so a very special episode of BTR. Tomorrow, we are going to the root of the uh, various uh, healing uh, plants. And uh, we are going to have, for the first time in BTR, Mike Cernovich. So we're going to have Mike uh, Cernovich uh, coming in 
and he's going to be there with Troy Casey, a.k.a. Stack. <laughs> I, I want to say Health Nut. I, want, I said Stack but because I thought it was saying Stack Nut because look at this guy. He is stacked to the gills. I mean, look at this, right? You see, you see him over here? Oh, God. Oh, and look at this! Look at this animation I made. So this is the animation that I made for this. You have uh, the, the gorilla, gorilla Mike Cernovich coming in. Oh, yeah, hold on! And you see the tiger. That tiger. That's like from the Russian propaganda video. You know those uh, the tigers. Like in Russia, we have tigers. And sticks his cat. I don't know why this thing is glitching out. So here, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do one better. Oh, no. I feel like my BMI is too oh, high to be in that stream, love. Oh, come on, Gio. Gonna to, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be you, buddy. It's all right. Oh, what are you talking about, Gio? You, skip. you get to be with Mike Cernovich. Don't, no, this is important. Oh, what am I gonna... <laughs> This also, is important. Quick thing, guys. I just got a notification and someone donated. So if it's part of the stream, thank you, CJ, for the 50 pounds. Woo! Much appreciated, oh, guys. Nice. Lovely. There we are. Trust me, I, I don't want to overhype it. Well, I, no, I can't overhype it. But at the same time, it'll be bigger than Afghanistan. It's... The whole world will be watching, let's say. It's going to, uh, I think it'll be the video of the century to some degree. Nice. It will have a place in history. <laughs> if, if I make it out anyway, we'll see. Well, look, I knock on wood. I got the acacia wood over here, knock on wood. And I just want to, again, say uh, I wish uh, all the very best in health and wealth and spirit to you. And uh, have, a, by the way, a wonderful Christmas. Do they have? Uh, do they say merry or happy? Because I heard George Michael saying "Happy Christmas" in that song. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, but the very next, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, is it ha yeah, happy, ha happy Christmas? Not merry Christmas, yeah, even though merry is more like people say merry more in Britain in general, right? Yeah, it's kind of a mixture. Um, a lot of people say Xmas now because you know they're um, they cringe. And, you know, <laughs> apparently it saves a part of many seconds of their wasted lives, uh, but. Um, yeah, and then a lot of people say happy holidays, and I think, wow, no, thank you. Uh, it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so if there is one war that you are a part of wearing that vest, then you are waging, a, you know, you're a veteran of the war on Christmas. Yes, absolutely. I will win it back, let's say. Yes. I was also, um, I was also uh, what's it called, um, baptized on uh, the day of St. Nicholas. Nice. So, oh. yeah, pretty much makes sense. And he's a very based individual if you look into the history. So Santa's based, guys. Mm. Although I do notice the hat. It looks like a half-elf, half-Santa. So it's like a demigod. You know, yeah. it's like you got the uh, <laughs> stuff over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, I'm going to put something in and smuggle stuff into the airport. 100% um, totally not a joke. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a perfect cover. Mm. Moral Outrage says, Rip Joan Rivers. Oh yeah, yeah, rip. yeah. She was, she was rip very funny. Rivers. She was very funny. <laughs> All right, guys, this is the end of the stream. Thank you so much for watching. Let me just find that place on uh, on the tab where you actually close this. So thank you so much. Oh, and also, and also follow follow wait, Geo on Twitter, twitter.com. Oh yeah, I have a bunch of Odyssey exclusives. I was just on the Drug Call Gang podcast. I'm also gonna come out with some longer videos. Uh, so I have a video on my Odyssey on incels, so that's going to be fun. It's about a vice hit piece, but other than that, yeah, lots of content on my channel, Jenner Productions. Uh, and, uh, also I want to say this has been amazing and hopefully, um, Miles on his trip to Sudan, the Lord will keep him and keep him safe. 
and uh, hopefully you um, have a lot of donations and you spread a lot of good in this world. You truly are, I think, people are going to look back and say that you were a man of history. I truly believe that. So, I hope so. Uh, I hope, I hope yeah. And, yeah. And also, I just want to have a really funny Wikipedia page, but thank you. <laughs> and also, lastly, youtube.com slash lovepoliakov. I finally got the office in order, so as soon as I finish off the NFT, I've been working on this long, long amount of time. Gio, remember Muscles? So Muscles is almost done. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of additions in that. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. A lot of uh, interesting things. And uh, next, uh, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash levpo, L-E-V-P-O. I know a lot of people got kicked off of Twitter recently with that whole uh, band wave. And again, like uh, R.I.P. Joel Davis's Twitter account. I've been in touch with Joel. Hopefully we're going to do a stream soon with him and uh, Sticks back when uh, Sticks gets to the United States. We'll have a longer, uh, longer amount of time to be able to do it. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I appreciate having people like Joel on. Because even though I disagree with him on so many different things, the fact that he is able to come in and have a conversation, have a back and forth, means that people are paying attention and people are being given different perspectives to consider. And that's how we learn. If we're not doing that, then we're coming to blows. And I don't want to come to blows with anybody. So even though that may be a test of courage or strength or whatever, I prefer to keep things peaceful as much as I can. So... Anyway, with that, thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe once again. Patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron. Good night, everybody.